welcome to the 215th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McVale and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. So last week I talked about 1984's Dune which I actually hadn't seen up until recently. Week before that, I talked about what 2000, uh, 2013, uh, Evil Dead, which I hadn't seen uh, up until recently. Uh, this coming week, I'm going back. I'm going to talk about a comic. I'm going to do, a, a, I think, I'm not, not, I think I'm going to do a DC series, some story arc issues, something like that. So you can check that out. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, this week, oh, man, uh, this was, I, I know I said last week was crazy. This, this last week kicked my butt. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm here <laughs> semi-caught up trying to talk about everything oh my gosh i'm just trying to anyways you don't need to hear about that that's not why you're here this isn't a random podcast of of woes in tony's life this is the james bond no time to die we're gonna talk about that and i think i might have to maybe towards the end like and it'll be towards the end of the episode i think i might have to spoil a couple things just just address a couple things about yeah so I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll think about it between now and then, which is, what, a few hours away. So we have that. And then uh, it's – I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but there wasn't – besides the regular shows, there wasn't anything, like, out of the ordinary unless I completely missed it. And I'm kind of glad that there wasn't anything extra. So we we, you know, we have Why the Last Man, Stargirl, What If, Titans, and Doom Patrol – which I, I barely got through those. So let's just get started. It doesn't look like there's a lot of news, which, again, is good for me. Big news, kind of big news towards me. So I'm a big Clive Barker fan. You know, let me just make make that clear. I've read his books. I got to meet him once at a signing, and you know, he's super cool. You know, Hellraiser movie, I love that. I still, still think it's it's such a, such a great movie. The other ones... You know, kind of a disappointment here or there. I, I still don't think I've seen all of them. I know I talked about one of them on a secret podcast from Heck. I think it was Bloodlines, maybe. And it was one without Doug Bradley as Pinhead, which was totally weird. And, you know, he wasn't even, like, the main, like, Cenobite uh, villain, whatever you want to call him. So, and then, you know, the, the other... Yeah, so... It's, it's, and it, what the other interesting thing is, I just started listening um, this past week to... Uh, the Scarlet Gospels, which is a Clyde Barker book. I totally, totally missed this. I don't know how I didn't hear about this book. But what blows my mind about this book is the book, and I know I'm off off topic already, the book features Pinhead and Harry Damore from the, uh, was it Lord of Illusions? Yeah, I was going to say Last Illusion. The Lord of Illusions, which they actually made a movie, which I, I kind of want to watch it again because it's been a long time. I don't think it was that great. Um, it, it starred Scott Bakula, and it was uh, I think it was based off a short story. And Harry Demore, I think he's appeared in others, something else too. But it's this cr- like crossover book, and it's just like 
crazy. So anyways, we got this <laughs> long, long story um, long, or short story long. Uh, so we have a Hellraiser movie coming out on Hulu. And I'm, I'm not, so after reading the latest report, I'm a little confused. My understanding was Hulu is like kind of rushing to put out this Hellraiser movie because the rights were about to expire. And then there's supposed to be a Hellraiser like series on HBO Max. And Clive Barker is supposed to be involved with that. But with this Hulu movie, it now it looks like Clive Barker is, pr- is a producer on it, which I didn't think he had anything to do with that. And with the, the casting news, I was just like, okay, here we go. But I guess he gave approval or something like that. I don't know how I feel about this. So they announced that um, who's going to be the new new pinhead? It's going to be Jamie Clayton, which means we're going to have a female pinhead. And I I don't know how I feel about that because you know this is like one of those like be- beloved characters for as despicable whatever is as you know he is. It just I feel like they're doing it just to do it like like oh let's gender swap and i i don't know why they do that i i mean it shouldn't be done either way you know don't make a female into male or male into female we have these established characters just just do it you know you're going to recast recast whatever but i don't see the point i mean because there was the female which was that was literally how the cenobite was described and she was in she was in the f- first two. Was she in the third one? Maybe I'm trying not to think about some of those movies. But you know, there there's other. I know if he had a Hellraiser movie without Pinhead, that would be where I would be like, okay. I mean, if if there's a good story, it could be interesting. But I just don't see. It feels like to me, and I, again, I could be totally wrong. But it feels like let's just let's mix things. Let's be edgy and make Pinhead a, a woman now. It's one thing like when, when it's a different ethnicity that is cast where, you know, you could say maybe the best person that auditioned happened to not visually look like the fictional character that's been depicted for, for whatever, however long since it was created. That's probably not the case here because, I mean, unless they just had t- complete open auditions like, hey, anyone that wants to audition for the role of Pinhead, that's fine. So it, to me, if, and again, I could be wrong. It feels like they specifically said, "Hey, let's audition women for this role," and then they did that. So uh, I don't know, and I, I'm I'm curious what this is, you know, what what this means, and you know what what's going to happen in the other Hellraiser is Pinhead even involved in that? And yeah, I I just I'm confused, and I just wonder if that's going to be confusing. If people will even care, if you know, we have this different, we have this alternate take on Hellraiser. You know, is it going to start from the beginning? What what's going to happen? And then when we get this Hellraiser series, if that's still happening. <sighs> oh. Anyways, so but now um, the the report that I read it said it, they're looking at like a 2022 release, and you know it's rap production apparently. And even though they they just announced a cast that you know it's they're done filming. I thought they had to like get it out by December. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe my my facts are wrong, or maybe my memory of the facts are wrong. We'll have to see. I mean, I'm gonna watch. Of course, I, absolutely, I'm gonna watch it. You know, I, I'm gonna check this out. I I can't not watch it. Although you know, there are other movies I haven't watched, but this is like more. It's drawn to our attention. You know, it's on Hulu, so it's you know, it's 
We'll see. Just be good. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm open to it. I, I'm not like, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not going to like have my protest signs and, and say, you know, Pinhead can't be a woman. I'm just questioning the why and what, what this means. Because like with the, the audio book that I'm listening to, the narrator is doing a good job. I, but I don't like the way he narrates Pinhead. I'm used to Doug, you know, the will tear your soul apart. You know, just that low verberate. And in and, and the audiobook, it's does that's it's not Pinhead. So I that's my big I'm just like, man, I don't know. It, it's, it's making it hard to listen to like fully enjoy it. Something as silly as that. And even though the books has nothing to necessarily to do with the movies, you know, just because, you know, whatever. So just be good, Hulu Hellraiser. I don't know. I forget what it's called. Is it Bloodlines or I don't even know. Oh, um, and did I mention that Jamie Clayton was in Sensate? I think I mean, I've, which that's a show I've been wanting to watch, even though it, it ended too, you know, prematurely, whatever. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I, how long did I talk about Hellraiser? I love Hellraiser. <laughs> So, of course, that's going to be the biggest thing I talk about. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, had a new trailer. And uh, I'm really not sure how I feel about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the other Hell, or other Hell, other Resident Evil movies, I only seen, I've seen the first one, maybe the second one, I don't know. And, and that's something that maybe I should revisit those for, like, the secret podcast from Heck. You know, just check those out from time to time. I don't know. With the new trailer, you know, the, the question is, one, do we really need a, a reboot Resident Evil movie? And you can almost, maybe you can argue, like, yeah, because the other movies didn't necessarily, and I, I don't know if the movies got any better or not, you know, but the first one, I, I wasn't impressed with the first one, which is why I never really sought out the, the other ones, because I was like, I don't know. But with this... In some ways, it looks a little slick, and and you know things are going to be updated. We have Claire and Chris Redfield. Uh, we have Robbie Amell as as Chris Redfield. He was good in, in that show. What was that? That oh, what was that called? It wasn't called Next, was it? The Amazon show where it was like in the afterlife, your consciousness is uploaded, which I still haven't finished. I I should watch that show. Ah, uh, but I don't know. And and uh, in the trailer, they do the tip. You know, a lot of times we'll see in the trailer where it's like let's let's grab or let's use this like kind of epic catchy song and kind of mix it a little bit. So they they use four non blondes. What's going on? Which love it or hate it, the song it's an epic song. You you, you know. I almost started singing it. I'm not going to start singing it. You're welcome. Uh, but they they kind of break it down where it's like they start singing and it's like it's the music stops and then there's some scenes of pe- and then the dun, 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 you know there there's parts with the machine gun going to the beat and you know so whatever. <laughs> but I just don't know how I feel about it. And then you know then of course there's gonna be some CG monsters and stuff because you have to do CG. It's not like you can really do a real like zombie mutated dog or what or liquor or whatever but it was funny as i i told had no idea this trailer was even come out that and i just happened to see on my twitter timeline someone had retweeted someone i don't even know who retweeted who or who whatever it says something like they said oh, i forget their exact words but they're like i'm kind of down with mowing down zombies while listening to what's going on i'm just like okay <laughs> it's like that's just random and then I, then I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, okay. okay. 
<laughs> so, and again, I'll watch this. I just, I, it, it just, I don't know. It almost looks like it's like, let's pull back the budget a little bit and I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Jake Gyllenhaal. I know some people love Jake Gyllenhaal. He's uh, going to be in, in Rob Liefeld's profit. They're, they're making a profit movie. Sam Hargrave is, I guess, directing it. So Prophet is a character that Rob Liefeld created uh, in the 90s. You know, it was around the, you know, the image time, Youngblood, all that. And I think Prophet is, was like a, I think he was like a, a World War II dude is like injected with some serum and then ends up getting frozen or something and then is reawoken later. Hmm. So, so have to see. Um, I, I read some of the profit because it wasn't like, like Stephen Splat didn't didn't he do some of those? Whatever happened to Stephen Splat? Because I mean, I remember when he first came on when uh, he at the end of a Moon Knight series and and they were selling like hotcakes and then the series and I was like, why are you canceling the series when everyone's buying it because they love Stephen Splat's big epic, you know, big muscular vein, you know, depictions of, of everyone. And that's just a bullet case. I mean, just bullets. Maybe I think a prophet with the bullets like flying everywhere. And, but yeah, I, I dug the art. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, you know, like epic, big splashy comic art. So anyways, we've got profit coming on. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and, Whatever, you know, people like the comic book movies. And, and when you're trying to adapt something, why not go towards comics? You know, everyone wants a piece of something and, ho and hopes for a franchise. Fingers crossed it, it's successful. You know, do a good movie and, you know, make, make it cool and everything. And hopefully Jake Gyllenhaal, if he's, if he, if he's going to do a good job, hopefully he's signed on. I mean, he's a busy guy. Uh, is he signed on for sequels? So we'll have to see. Agatha Harkness is in is reportedly getting a spin-off series on Disney Plus. Makes sense, I guess. You know, I guess you you could do it it doesn't have to be like a huge production. You know, it seems like it could be kind of easy and I just wonder how they're going to do it. Like is is it going to be about Agatha going around messing with with people's lives or I, and is it going to be like after WandaVision? Is it going to be before WandaVision? So I haven't seen anything official about that, so we'll see. Uh, DC's Fandom is uh, next week, the 16th, and um, so there's going to be, hopefully, i, I got to try to make sure I watch all that, uh, but there's going to be a new trailer or teaser for the Batman and, you know, just all the DC stuff and everything like that, so there's going to be big announcements, which, yeah, means I'm going to have to try to, Stay tuned for that. Uh, Wentworth Miller is returning to Legends of Tomorrow for the hundredth episode, as you know. So Captain Cold, so that's cool. I, I like Went Wentworth Miller. And did you know I actually interviewed him? I interviewed for Prison Break when Prison Break returned. Talked to him and um, Dominic Purcell, and the interview never <laughs> aired, which was was a shame, was a waste. But but they were both really cool, and uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad I like I like him as Captain Cold. I mean, I, I thought he was just had like enough cheesiness and just brought really something. So I'm, I'm happy for that. Oh, there was a, a teaser for House of the Dragon, which is a Game of Thrones prequel, and I think Matt Smith is in it. And I say think because I didn't watch it. 
So I still need to finish Game of Thrones. I th- I think I don't even remember where I'm at. I think I'm on season four. Yeah, and I know people are like, don't don't watch the rest. You know, don't finish it. But I'm I'm just out of curiosity, and uh, I don't know about this. Maybe I mean maybe if if I can finally get my butt around to watch. But there's just like so much other stuff I want to catch up. I still haven't watched Squid Games, and, and you know everyone's been talking about that. I watched I literally watched like two minutes of it, like the intro. I, I don't have nothing to say about House of the Dragon. Did did the trailer? I was like, I'm not going to watch it because I, I mean, I should watch. I should have watched it. I didn't watch it. I, maybe I will watch it. So we'll see if maybe I can watch and not have to worry about, you know, catching up. If it's a prequel, is there going to be like a bunch of stuff I need to know or spoilers? I don't know. There's going to be some new Star Wars books. So Lucasfilm approved these. And there's going to be books about the classic characters. So I don't know how I feel about this. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that's fine. That's cool. I mean, it makes sense, you know, because that, that's give people what they want. But, like, uh, there's going to be one on May 10th, 2022, called A Brotherhood, Star Wars Brotherhood. It's going to feature Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Anakin, like, during the Clone Wars. I think Asajj Ventress is going to be in it. So that's cool. And then on June seventh, twenty twenty-two, there's gonna be a like a Jedi and Sith anthology book, but if that's gonna be geared more towards like middle school readers or something like that, middle grade readers, whatever they're calling it. And then on June twenty-eighth, there's gonna be Star Wars: Shadow of the Sith. Uh, this one is obviously gonna be the, the big, cool, exciting one. This is taking place between the Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. And it's going to feature Luke before he exiled himself. And, like, Lando's going to be in it. And there's going to be, like, stuff about his kidnapped daughter and, and everything like that. There's And, obviously, the Sith's involved. The planet where Palpatine was. There might even be, like, a hunt for Rey and stuff like that. So that's going to be one to, to, to check out. So we'll have to, yeah, keep keep an eye out for that. And then uh, the last bit of news. So there's, like I said, there's not a whole lot, even though I, I've been babbling. Uh, Netflix has announced that '90s show spinoff. And when I first saw, it, like, when I got the the press release, I'm like, "What, really?" But Red Foreman and, and Kitty, uh, uh, Kirkwood, with Kirkwood Smith and Deborah Joe, I forgot their names. Sorry. They're going to be back. Red and Kitty are, are back. So it's taking place in 1995. And spoilers, it's going to feature Eric and Donna's daughter as she comes to visit them. And then she makes, like, friends with, you know, other kids in Wisconsin. And it's, yeah. So my question is, you know, it's 10 episodes because it's a Netflix show. So, yeah, she could be visiting for the summer for whatever reason. But what if the show is a hit? What if they want to do more? And then is... Is it going to be like the next day, the next week, or is it going to be like the next year? She's visiting again. It's like, does she is she forced to visit her grandparents every year? So it's like, how you you know, how would you explain her still being there if she's just visiting? I doubt we're going to see Eric or Donna. It, it, neither one of those, you know, Topher Grace and I forget her name. It, it seems like they're like, nah, no thanks. Because with the ranch on Netflix, which I liked, I know some people don't like it. Uh, you know, we had a lot of returning characters, you know, like Red was there, Kitty, uh, Fez, you know, obviously we had, um, we had uh, Kelso and, and Hyde, you know, they were in, in the show until Hyde was asked to leave or whatever. And who else was, I feel like there's someone else, but I don't think we ever had, I don't think Jackie was ever, and I'm using her character names because it's just easier. <laughs> um, Mila Kunis. 
I doubt. I wonder if we'll have any any cameos from any of the other characters. I mean, it, it would be interesting. It, it, that would almost be like fan service, but it, you that's what you want. So I'm down with it because I, I don't know if I remember if I mentioned the the show the creators that they're they're the show they're going to be on there and one of the uh, guy who's involved with the show he's I think the showrunner and then uh, Red and Kitty they're like producing or executive producers or something on it so I'm just looking forward to Red Foreman like almost 20 years later with a new generation of dumbasses you know yelling at these kids. Uh, he's got to be so grumpy, and I, 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 I'm, I'm actually excited for this. So <laughs> that's going to be the news for the week. All right, with comic books. So I'm going to actually start with a book from Aftershock Comics. Which I, I know I, 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 unfortunately, I don't really read. There's just too much to read, and and Aftershock Comics aren't always on my radar. But this one was on my radar because it is written by the one and only Brian Bucciolato. So Chicken Devil. Chicken Devil number one came out. So it's uh, art by Hayden Sherman. And uh, the official synopsis, let me start with that. It says, Mitchell Moss is about as regular as it gets. He's married with two children and co-owns a successful chain of Memphis hot chicken restaurants. It's not the life that screams hero slash vigilante. Until he discovers that his business partner is in bed with the mob and owes them $2 million. Unfortunately, Mitch is ill-equipped to be a badass. He's just a guy who makes really good chicken. Can he protect his family from cold-blooded gangsters? Absolutely not. But maybe the chicken devil can. Um, yeah, so the, the, the first issue, it's it's. It's some. It's I. It sets everything up. You know, it introduces us to the characters, and you know, you see the situation. What is the deal with this chicken devil? What the heck does that mean? And uh, I, I recommend this. And you know, th- it's always cool to see something different. You know, it's something new. I, I like being able to read a new series, a new universe. No continuity, no ties, no worries, and you don't have to. You know, you just jump into it. You don't need to know anything because this is the beginning. This is our introduction. So it's really cool. So I would say check that out. You know, support something different. Brian's an awesome guy. He's an awesome writer. You know, I I, I call him a friend, uh, and I would love for you all to support him and support this book. So you could, if you can, as a favor to me and to yourself, because you, you know, you might enjoy something different. So I, and again, I don't do this often, but you know, Brian, Brian is a, he's been a good friend over the years and he's, he's stuck by me, you know, after he, after everything. So yeah, call your local comic store, say, Hey, do you have any copies of chicken devil? Number one. And if they're like, no, we sold out or, you know, we only ordered a few, just say, hey, can you order another copy and let me know? Or if that doesn't work, go to Comixology, you know, or get yourself a digital copy because, you know, there's digital copies don't sell out. And that way you can just go bloop, 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 bloop. If if you have your sound turned on and weird noises on your, your device, your iPad or your phone or whatever, and get yourself a copy. And and just just read it. It's 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 pretty cool. And you know, I, I'm really curious what's gonna happen. I'm looking forward because I mean, you see that cover. It's like, what does this mean? So the I'll spoiler the cover scene doesn't quite happen, but you know we're gonna get there. So I, I'm really really excited for this. So so congrats to Brian and and Hayden on on this launch. So just get it, support it. 
over at oh, did I say enough about it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I said it. I don't want to spoil anything that happens in a story, but it does set things up. So, so good job with that. At Image, uh, the Ascender trade paperback came out, so you can check that out. Uh, love that series. I don't love that it's over. Uh, me, the me you love in a dark issue three. So this is a five issue series. So this is Scotty Young uh, and um, Jorge Corona. So the story here is we have this woman artist. She rents this like haunted house because she she needs to paint, do a bunch of paintings. She has an art show coming up, so she just wanted to get away from everything and just 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 work in like seclusion, no distractions. But the house is haunted, which I think I did mention. And uh, she's she's it's not like a, a at least so far. I, I'm I'm waiting. So spoilers. Uh, I'm waiting for like this the, the, to re-reveal that it's really like this evil entity or something like that. But they get along, and you know, because the first issue when you see is like, oh crap, you know, there's actually something in this house, and and uh, this issue kind of takes a an interesting turn. I'm just like, oh, okay, where where is this going? And you know, I, I as I said, I'm I'm waiting for something dark and sinister to happen, and yeah, so. Check that out. No, that's a, it's and this is another one that you know is new universe, new story, new everything. So you don't have to worry about anything. You can just you know jump into that. Uh, Silver Coin trade paperback also came out. So this is the Michael Walsh drawn book with stories written by awesome people. You should check this out. Uh, it's not often that horror comics work for me because it's just the art and the colors. Just sometimes they just don't work. It it just you know, you can have a great story, but if the visuals don't really, I don't. It's to me, it's it's sometimes a distraction. This is different. Michael Walsh, he's he's another guy. I love his art, and it, he it seemed like he could do everything because you know I think I don't know if the first time I read him was in Comeback, which is like a time travel uh, weird story, and uh, you know I remember him like Secret Avengers with Alesh Scott. I mean that I love that series. And, you know, so he can do superhero, he can do t- time travel, whatever stories, and he can do it all. And and it, this is just really, really cool. So you should check that out. It's it's definitely, definitely worth reading. Okay, at DC, I feel like, did I forget something? I don't think I read anything at Boom or IDW. So at DC, um, looking at the comics, I, I really missed the DC app. I liked how everything was organized, and I feel like... Uh, for some reason, I feel like in the comicsology, when I go to the DC section, which I don't like that it, it's it's a pain to get there. You know, you got to hit browse publisher and find it. I feel like sometimes things are just get mixed up, and it's not like clear that this is from this week because then it's just like bleeds into the other stuff. Um, so, like one thing I I didn't realize this as uh, Harley Quinn the animated series issue two came out, so I haven't read that. But Batman issue one fourteen. Um, this is more on. Gotham just being a big mess from you know the the magistrate program and things are just with their peacekeeper whatever. I just it it, it's getting out of hand. I mean it's just nuts that this is all going and and I don't see how things have escalated this much and how people would be okay with just doing this. And I mean I guess it comes down to the, the mayor, but the mayor of Gotham. But what about like the governor? Like no one cares that Gotham is such a mess, and they're just like, yeah, just whatever, just you know, keep keep it keep it there. 
we'll have to see how long this this keeps escalating. I mean, it's, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And then uh, the backup story is about clown, clown Hunter. So he gets hit with some fear toxin, and you know, it's, there's like all this weirdness stuff going on. But then, uh, which I don't think it's mentioned in here, but Tim Drake, Red Robin, ends up appearing here. And what's weird is because then at the end, he's like, he, he accepts his help. He's like, okay, yeah, let's go or whatever. But when Red Hood talked to him, he's like, you know, slapping his hand away when he, he tried helping him. So it, it's just weird. Maybe because he, Clown Hunter might look up to like a Robin more than Red Hood, even though Red Hood was Robin, whatever. So well, I'm, I'm, I don't know where, where that's going to go. But So we get more Tim Drake. So we have that. Uh, what else was there? See, now I'm trying to find what else was new. Uh, the Conjuring, um, the Lover, the last issue came out. This was, it was okay, you know. And and part this is what I was saying before. While the, the art and everything was was fine, it it didn't really click a hundred percent for me. I mean, it it did a, a decent job, you know, capturing the different freakiness and you know spirits, evil and whatever possessing things but it was uh i felt like this the story just really dragged you know so you have this troubled girl you know she's away at college and you know uh, stuff that's something you know, this thing haunting her and everything i felt like it just kind of dragged on and it's weird to think that this came out like when the movie when the conjuring movie came out and i feel like i feel like this has been so long it, like the story's been spread out so this would probably read better in trade uh, which I, you know, I, I don't want to say don't get the regular issues, but at this point, you know, if you haven't read it yet, you know, read it all all at once. I, I feel like it would just be better to, you know, you know, boom, 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 rather than than how like month after month or week or whatever it was. And then the the backup story. I think I started reading it. I don't think I really finished because yeah, because I'm like, all right, read this backup story that. You know, it's it's done. It's just a short story, and and no, not not to dismiss it, but I just I was like, nah. Uh, but the nice house on the lake issue five. So this is a great series. You know, James Tynion in the fourth, and I've talked about this. You know, these group of friends, these people, and they're, they're not all like immediate friends, but they were all friends with this dude named Walter. And you know, some people they they've had run-ins with each other you know different circles where you know the, the different circles kind of intersecting friends of friends and stuff like that so he they're all invited to this nice house on a lake like out in wisconsin and while they're there i think there's like 12 of them while they're there the world kind of goes up in flames like literally like it's end of the world type of thing and they're trapped in this house. There's like this invisible barriers. Like they're fine and everything in there. They can't leave. So as far as they know, like everyone's dead. Everyone just died. Died. They're the only ones there. Walter kind of reveals himself to be like something else. And there's like, what the heck is, is going on? They're they're getting supplies. Like they can make a list. Like whatever they want. And like if you want, you want to get a. I want an egg beater. And then the next day, an egg beater will appear in this delivery box or whatever. And so it's like, you know, where is this coming from? Everything's destroyed. And and then in this issue, they're like, like yeah, there's this other building like on the other side of our, the boundary, or whatever. You know, this one guy went exploring, so they they want to go over there. But there's like there's no doors, and you know, one guy like asked for like a bunch of 
weapons and you know guns and are going to try to blow it away and, and so there's a, a lot of i'm really just curious where this is going to go and, and you know this is i think just 12 issues so there is an ending in sight so i you know i can't wait to, to see how all this is going to wrap up so it's, it's been really good justice league infinity issue four so this is like based off the justice league unlimited series and if you look at that cover it's like why is wonder woman making out with dark side and I mean, that's just, it's like disturbing. It's like, I don't even know if I, I want to turn the page, you know, look at that. But you, you find out like what the deal is and what's going on. It's not necessarily quite what you think, but if this was a good, good issue, a good story and seeing like dark side in a different light. And it's, um, let's see, what does this say? I don't want to spoil things too much after being whisked across the multiverse. Okay. There you go. Wonder Woman finds herself trapped on a desolate and barren planet with the last person she'd ever expect to find dark side so multiverse there you go so maybe this dark side's not as creepy i just envision dark side like he looks like he's made his skin is like stone so it's like how do you kiss like a rock like how do you how would you kiss the thing ben Grimm? you know it's like it, it would hurt your <laughs> anyways let's move on uh oh there was a are you afraid of dark side issue one this is a uh, 86 pages there are some, uh, I think there's some some big writers involved with this, but it starts off with the Teen Titans like camping, and then they're gonna start telling stories. But what's weird is like Damien's there. It's this is like the just the the previous Teen Titans team we had with previous with with Damien and Crush and Red Arrow and Roundhouse. So it's like uh, that team doesn't even exist anymore. You know that and that that incarnation. And it just looks like, okay, this is just going to be a bunch of, it's Halloween, let's just do it. If people like these stories, that's great. And I know what what's nice about them is they're all self-contained. You know, you get this book of short stories and, you know, it's easy just to read it and you can read it whenever you want. Or you can pick up the copy, you know, a copy of the comic and just, you know, hey, here you go, check this out. And so, I, I don't know. But I, I started reading it and I'm just like, Mm, maybe this isn't for me so so we have that and i believe oh there was no there is arkham city order of the world this is a comic i was like what where does this fit in and when i, when I was reading this i was like is this its own continuity thing because we're, we're starting to see these books that i don't know where they fit in and again, we shouldn't have to focus or worry about that, but that's just a concern for me. If you want to do like this alternate, whatever else world story, that's fine. You tell a really awesome story, then you know, I'll read it whenever I want, or I you know know what to expect. So this starts off, and I'm reading, you know, there's a lot of stuff about Arkham Asylum and, and stuff like that, and, but it's tied into a day when the Joker gas was un unleashed and a bunch of people were killed. So that makes it feel like it is in the current continuity, but. Um, I don't think I finished reading this. I think I started it, and I was just like, I, I had so much other stuff to read. Uh, but maybe I should go back and finish this. It's like, I don't know where this is going going to go. So um, I, I think I stopped when I saw I was like, oh, Mr. Pig, or Professor Pig is in there. I, I'm not really a fan of him. I like when he first started, and, you know, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin, you know, with Frank Quietly, his, his art and everything. But... I'm just I'm kind of over that character. It's like I don't I don't really care. And then there was a DC Horror presents Soul Plumber. I 
I don't even think I, I started reading this. From the creators of the last podcast on the left, which I'm, I'm sorry, I, mean, I, know, <clears throat> I know I'm lame, but I haven't heard of that because I, I can barely keep up with what I'm doing. Uh, exorcism just got a whole lot easier after attending a seminar hosted at a ho- in a hotel conference room by a mysterious group called the Soul Plumbers. Edgar Wiggins, disgraced former seminary school student, discovers what he thinks is the secret to delivering souls from the thrall of Satan. But after stealing the blueprints of the building and the machine itself out of whatever he can afford from his salary at his, his gas station attendant, Edgar misses a demon and said pulls out an interdimensional alien with dire consequences for all of mankind. Okay, that actually sounds more interesting than... Um, I don't remember if I even flipped it. Maybe I, I think... I don't know, but... Maybe that's another one I should read. There's just too much to read. It's just so hard to keep up. Okay, so that was DC. At Marvel, we had um, we had Amazing Spider-Man seventy-five. So this was this was uh, this was good. I'm just not really sure. I, I mean, I'm gonna. I, I love that Ben Riley's back. It's kind of weird how he's been, you know, he's he's been around for for a little bit. I don't know what to make out of this Beyond Corporation. So they, they come up to him, and I don't I don't like how he's just so frivolous. Like like yeah, I'm Ben Riley, you know, they, whatever if they figured it out and stuff like that. And you know, he's just walking around, you know, or going around taking his mask off, you know, whatever. And and yeah, he has blonde hair and all that, but it's like his he looks just like Peter Parker, you know. So it's like you got to be careful. Are people going to make the connections? And by him revealing himself to this whole corporation, whether they have good intentions or not, are they going to you know track down that Peter Parker is you know? It just seems like that's not your secret to share. And you know, it, it's it's one thing if I'm going to you know do something whatever, but. Be, there's just like such a, a connection, you know, it's so obvious that, you know, whatever. So Peter like finds out that like Ben is Spider-Man. He's like, hey, what's going on? And then they, they meet up and they're talk. And he sees like, you know, he's, I have the same memories and, and urges that you do. It's like, I have to, you know, he has to be a hero. It's, it's in his, you know, he's got the same sense of responsibility ingrained into him, you know, even if he's just a clone and all that. And, and Peter's like, well, I don't know how I feel. And, and then Ben's like, well, you know, hey, you, I think you got it wrong. He's like, I'm not asking. So he's like, I'm doing this. Which, you know, in, in that, that sense, it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, well, why do you have to do it as Spider-Man? You know, what's, there's nothing wrong with Scarlet Spider, you know, in my opinion. I you know, think it's great. But what had happened, I guess, the, the kicker, why he's Spider-Man, is the Beyond Corporation kind of salvaged some of the Parker industry stuff. That, that had gone on and apparently I think when Otto Octavius was in charge he like registered trademarked the Spider-Man name or something like that so I think that means the Beyond Corporation since they bought up or whatever what was left over they now owned a, the rights to the Spider-Man name so they're like hey we're gonna do Spider-Man and you know they want to be a hero They and you know so Ben's suit is like really slick and all this stuff so it ends up with uh, Peter and Ben fighting side by side so you got two Spider-Mans which which is cool um, you know costume slightly different you know you can tell who is who uh, but then something happens uh, to Peter during the battle which if you've seen the images and everything you know he's he's gonna be like 
looks like pretty seriously injured. Uh, and that that's my hesitation there. It's like, okay, are there going to be like big repercussions, lasting repercussions from this? Because it's one thing if, if, you know, Ben is going to be a Spider-Man. Why can't you there be more than one Spider-Man? I mean, we have Miles Morales calling himself Spider-Man, and they're both in like New York. So I think, you know, we, we could have. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where this is going to go. And yeah, I just, I worry. And obviously they're not going to kill Peter, you know. And if you sideline him for a little bit, I guess that's fine. But I've said from day one, it's like, why can't you have Spider-Man on the West Coast and Spider-Man on the East Coast or, you know, whatever. And the fact that we have Miles as Spider-Man, you know, we have two, two Spider-Mans in the same city. So we'll see. Avengers Tech on issue three came out. I didn't read this one. I was like, okay, I'm going to read this one later. And uh, yeah, didn't get to it. Um, it's it's kind of I I don't want to say it's silly. It is a little silly, but I, I I'm kind of digging it. You know the the idea that the heroes lost their powers and so they're all getting armored. You know tech suits to to fight and yeah. So I, I'm curious where that's gonna go. <laughs> I, I like the story. Captain Marvel issue 33. So this is uh, the last of the Marvels part two. Uh, people named Captain Marvel are getting attacked. Uh, so after uh, Carol fights off one of these silent things, you know, there's someone being controlled, and it was a uh, what was her name? Uh, Fila, Fila, Genis. I can't remember. Uh, so then she realizes that. There, you know, she goes after to see if Kamala and Kamala is like getting attacked. So she, you know, and she's like in a daze or whatever. So she takes her trying to fight them off or anything, calls for backup, and and things are just not not going well. And uh, and yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's 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 a good story. So I'm I'm digging that. Champions issue ten. This was, um, was this the last issue? I, I think it feels like it was. So it's like the end of the current story arc and. Just them kind of wrapping things up and everything like that. Um, it was it was okay. Uh, I, I I don't know. I feel like it's this this last arc. I guess it's been it was a fine arc, but it just kind of was missing a little something. You know, it, it does wrap up some of the cradle stuff. The the group, you know, outlying kids as heroes, and then there's more of the, the rocks on stuff. But uh, I don't know. I, I didn't knock me down or blow me away. I guess what I'm trying to say. Dark Ages issue two. So this is a Tom Taylor written series. So Iban Coelho is doing the art. And this is in an alternate reality, you know, because basically uh, stuff happens and all electricity is wiped out. There's like this continuous EMP blast p- pulse that's you know from this other dimension that's just rendering every electronic thing useless so then what happens is now we're i think it's like seven years later and it's weird it's like now like oh peter parker has some gray so in the next seven years you know he's which i guess he could start going gray because you know he's he's supposed to be like in his late 20s mid mid to late 20s so it's always weird that it's like all of a sudden he's he's going gray and maybe things just took a toll on him and we're, we're seeing how they're surviving as a, you know, with, without technology and stuff like that. And, you know, there are different 
predators out there, you know, like vampires and werewolves, you know, like other mystical creatures of the nights or whatever, not mythical, but so, you know, how to establishing um, new civilizations based on everything and how, you know, everything is progressing and, you know, everything like that. And uh, this one takes a takes an interesting turn. Uh, if you look at the cover, like who's that in the background? That kind of looks like like apocalypse. Could it be? But you can also see. Uh, I guess the cover is a little little spoilery because so you see that is Spider Man obviously wearing a weird suit. It's got some weird web shooters because I guess they have to be no electron. I don't know if there was any electronics, but maybe there was. And it's like who's this girl next to him? Hmm. Yeah, not a not a big big guess there. So it, it's it's cool to, to see this alternate take. So I I, I want to find out what's going to happen. I did not read Deadpool, black, white, or red. I didn't even look at it, and so I don't even know who who's involved with it. I like Deadpool. I don't love Deadpool. I'm not obsessed with Deadpool, but I like Deadpool. You know, I will read a, a Deadpool comic, but this you know this is just going to be short stories that could be fun. Unfortunately, I don't have time to just read random fun books, which I know is is weird, sounds weird, but that's there's just too much to read. Um, which I realized, oh, I even though I I, I got it, Eternal Celestia, I didn't read that. There is no God for the Eternals. Not that the truth of their existence is revealed. Ajak and Makari must pick up the pieces and try to find a road forward, no matter how terrifying it might be. Or how their choices were irrevocably shocked the rest of the Eternals. Also, how would the Avengers of 1 million BC figure into it? Yeah, I need to read that issue. Um, I don't love the Eternals, but I, I, I do like what Kieran Gillen's been doing and kind of reestablishing them, you know, since they haven't really been in the spotlight lately. So I'm curious to see where to, how that's going to go. Uh, Defenders issue three. This has been uh, an interesting series. So Doctor Strange and his group of defenders, you know, they went back in time to like the previous universe and Galactus's mom <laughs> has been there. So there's some um, interesting things there. And, and just, uh, the, I mean, it's a different universe. So even like the way magic works is different. And um, this, what I like is Betty Banner. I, I don't, I still, I don't like her as harpy or red harpy or whatever the heck you're calling her i don't like i wish she was red she hulk but there's a i, I like the the slight focus on her like at least in the in beginning of the, of the issue so that that's cool we have um excalibur issue 24 so more stuff going on with other world the, there's arthur is here and there's like arguing over who should rule other world and and stuff like that and uh so i i just i like how there's this the the ties you know with betty betsy braddock being captain britain and just like some like ties with the whole uh story of the captain britain you know going back to like the early stories that i read you know i haven't read all the captain britain stories which i i'd like to at some point man if there's like a big captain britain omnibus or something like that but I just remember like the Chris Claremont, Alan Davis uh, stories, and what was I going to say? Oh, it's like Saturnine, just like all that. So I, I'm I'm curious to, to see like where it's going to go. So I'm I'm enjoying this, and uh, you know it's Marcus Toe doing art. I love his art, so I'm so so happy to, to see when when he's on a book. Hellions issue 16. 
this is so you know I've been struggling with this series because part of it is I don't really care about most of the characters. You know, I'm really curious about Quanan as Psylocke, but a lot of the other ones I'm just like I don't really care so much about them. And like, uh, isn't that one dude's name Hellion uh, Manuel or whatever? I I don't care for him. Um, Nanny and uh, Orphan Maker is that Orphan? Is that his name? There's there's some some big stuff happens there which is kind of weird and then H- havoc um, then the Mister Sinister stuff so there's a lot of lot of you know craziness from the last issue to aftermath and everything like that but I'm just not like super excited about about the the characters the other characters then we have New Mutants issue 22 so there's more in the fallout with this these group of young mutants and working with the shadow king which I, it's like why would you even allow shadow king on krakoa which i know everyone has amnesty and all that stuff like it's like you don't you can't trust him so the new mutants go to like talk to him and stuff like that and then it's like wait are they prisoners now in his mind is is he revealing that yeah he is still and always has been evil whatever and then the other there's a you know gabby she was killed and you know her new friends you know the, the, the young mutants they're like trying to help her and everything like that and they they go to apologize for like what they did and, and stuff like that um gabby i just love gabby and and jonathan the, the real life wolverine whatever is here too and just rod rod reese's art is just great to see i, I love how he depicts everyone and uh there's gonna be some craziness going on with the shadow king stuff i hate shadow king but I guess we're supposed to, right? And then, uh, then there's Savage Avengers issue 25. This was the last book, last Marvel book I read. And at the end, I'm just like, oh. so I, I did kind of skim through it. I haven't been, uh, I, I, I've been curious about this series. You know, I've been invested enough to like read all the issues. Uh, and it's, it's mainly because Jerry Duggan is, is writing it. I'm not the biggest Conan fan. You know, I, I'll read like a good, good, Conan story, like when this series first relaunched just recently at Marvel. I mean, I read the first issue. I was like, oh, this is a cool, cool story and everything. And I remember Mahmoud Asrar did the art. Uh, but I'm just like not the biggest Conan fan. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just that's never been my thing. You know, just like, you know, swords and savagery and, you know, whatever, all this stuff. So I do, I'm, I do like the fact that Conan is in like the present day and working with, you know, the Avengers, you know, some of these, these characters. I hate Kulan Goth. I, I don't know who I hate more, him or Shadow King or Carnage. <laughs> so, but the fact that we're at issue 25 and, and it's still like versus Kulan Goth, it's, it just feels like it's, it's going on forever. You know, there's something, yeah, there's something you said about having a long form story and everything, but also it's like i don't just want it to be just the same villain that they're going up against but whatever that's fine so uh we're kind of like in in a little bit of a future now because you know people are dead and uh conan has like dr doom armor because you know it was given to him and and there's like some some cool interesting things here but it's like man gotta stop this cool and goth guy (laughs) and um i think I'm going to stop comic book talk because that that's it. That's comic books for the week. Okay. Why the last man season one, episode six, weird Al is dead. All right. So I'm, as I mentioned last week, you know, kind of listening back a little bit where 
I don't want to sound like I'm I'm complaining about the show because I do really like it. I, I'm glad we have it, and I guess things are are moving forward. And maybe it'd be different if I read the books again to see like what the pacing was. But I, I'm still I am curious like how many issues are we going to get in this this first season? I'm hoping that you know we're going to get more seasons. But anyways, let, let's just move on. So. <laughs> I kind of don't like the title. It's like Weird Al is dead. That, that's kind of like a bummer. To, and I was like, what What does that have to do with thing? So it starts off, you, you see three motorcycles arrive at the Harvard outpost. Uh, one, one biker gets off and she shows a picture of 355 and, and she's like, have you seen her? So it's like, okay, what's that about? Uh, then we see 355, Dr. Man and York, they make a pit stop. 355 is going to the bathroom, whatever. He wants to make sure, or, or 355 wants to make sure that they, they do 20 miles before they call it a day because Dr. Man's like, hey, should we stop? And <laughs> she, has, she has this other question. We won't get into that. And they start hearing something. You, you can hear Karma Police, like Radiohead song. So they, they go to follow the music. And then, uh, you know, Wise walking with his, his mask on. And someone's like, oh, you can take that off. No one will judge you here. Because, again, they're assuming everyone is, you know, taking testosterone and, and all, all that. So uh, it's like this candlelight vigil thing, and you know he's told that they do this every Sunday. Then Yorick says that he's like, "Oh, my sister took me a Radiohead concert to show me there was more to music than Weird Al." And then the other lady's like, "Rest in peace, Weird Al." <laughs> so then I mean, it was it was kind of a weird moment, weird scene, but it, it sounded really nice. Was, you know, they're they're all singing, uh, you know, Karma Police and everything like that. And then three fifty five comes in. She's like, "Put your mask on," and he's like, "No one here cares." But then uh, the biker trio, the they, they arrive outside the vigil, and inside, you know, three fifty five sees one lady asking people something, so she pulls York back, and and then she pulls on her hood too, like to cover herself. She walks over and she bumps into the one person, and she managed to pickpocket the photo out of out of her her pocket or whatever. And then she tells York, she's like, we're being followed. And so, so they leave, they run, they, they duck into this like empty church and 355 tells him it could be the army maybe. And York's like, why would my mom send the army? And then 355, she's like, she wouldn't. And York's like, did my mom say they were, you know, being followed when you talked to her? And 355's like, the sat phones were, were compromised or the sat comms or whatever. And she's like, you know, the military was all over the channels. And York realizes he's like, Wait, you know, he realized she didn't really talk to her. And he's like, you said my mom authorized this. And in 355, is like, she said that to keep you safe. She's like, that's what I'm doing. And he's like, you lied. And he's like, sorry, I'll, I'll cry baby about it. The man's like, well, why are we stopping them if we're being followed? And 355 is like, we can't outrun them. So, you know, we have to be ready for them when they catch up. So she tells them, you know, like, you know, they have to act like they're safe, camp out in the opening and um, lure them in. York's like, and then what? He's like, are we going to pull a friggin' home alone? You know, and so 355, she's like, well, I'll wait for them. And then York's like, are you going to kill them? And she's like, I don't kill people. So she says that she'll make sure they get a head start and make their pursuers think twice about following. So it's not really clear, you know, at that point what she means by that. Regina, uh, the, the senator, whatever person that, that we don't like, she's looking at like the dude memorial place in the Pentagon and Kimberly walks up to her, of course. So they, they chat about things. She's, she's like fanning the flames. She's talking about Jennifer Brown being president and then Regina, um, you know, she should be up there serving and, and all this stuff like that. Back at the church, York's like, he's startled awake. And then he sees 355s like, like up on a balcony, just like she's still awake. 
And then so he goes up to her, he tells her that he's sorry. And, you know, he wishes that she talked to him about this, you know, about her, her not making contact. But she's just like silent, doesn't say anything. Then he's like, are you okay? And then she like almost falls off the balcony. So it's like, wait, is she sleepwalking? Then we see Nora. So she's uh, sitting with the, the woman, Roxanne, who took them in. They're, they're talking about, you know, there's like all, all these, these this group of women. And they're, they're talking about like all the things that men did, you know, like hand slipping, taking advantage, like all this stuff like that. And uh, she's, she thinks it's a bit much for her daughter to hear. But, but Roxanne's like, no, you know, she should hear this or whatever. So then Sam is uh, like out in the food court area eating like, and he, he's just staring. There's like a chicken sitting on like one of like the, the picnic table type things. And there's like food under. He's just like staring at it. And then Hero comes up. He's like, oh, is that sanitary? And she hands him some testosterone. She's like, there's a whole bunch at the pharmacy here. So Nora, again, you know, she wants, so she wanted to take Mac out of the circle to talking thing, whatever. And then Roxanne, she asks her, she's like, no, she's like, ask her what she thinks about being a woman. And she's like really kind of getting her face. And Nora's like, she's like, she, you know, she lost her father and her brother. She's grieving. And Roxanne's like, you know, grieving can't protect her. And then um, before they can get go any further, the perimeter alarm starts going off. They have like a bunch of cans and strings and stuff like that. So they, they get up, they, they arm up. Some people go to the roof and everything like that. And then you, you can see there's some people walking like by the, the parking lot with like sleeping bags and stuff like that. So one of the, the, the women shoots close to them and then they, they like stop. Nora's like, they have a kid with them. So Roxanne walks out the door, you know, without any guns or anything like that. She just walks up to him and then uh, she motions and then several other armed women come out. So Roxanne t tells them, she's like, oh, it looks like you took a wrong turn. And then the, the one lady in this other group, she's like, well, we're starving. And then she's like, you can take the girl at least, you know, this little girl. She's like, no, no mom or whatever. And Roxanne's tells her, she's like, she tells the girl, she's like, your mom was just scared. She's like, she wouldn't leave you here. And then another lady like up on the roof, you know, tells Nora, she's like, you know, we're, we're lucky to be here. You know, much luckier than those out there. So 355 is like looking around, like in a back room of the church, you know, looking through stuff. I guess she's, you know, going to be setting up traps or something. Man walks in a, on a York and then he, he shows, because he's like, I think he's like brushing his teeth or something like that. So she shows him the, the picture that 355 took, the picture of herself. And she's like, this was in her pocket. And she's like, they're going after 355, not us. And man's like, you know, 355 has us going south. She's like, I-80 is more direct. You know, we can just take that, you know, follow the highway to, to San Francisco. We can travel at night, just the two of us. And he's like, I can't walk out on her. And man's like, She's like, have no, she has no loyalty to you. And then, then she says, like, you know, she was sleepwalking last night. She also has a gun. She's like, what if she, she grabs it, like, during, you know, while she's sleeping? And he's like, I'm not leaving her. And he's like, and you should put the picture back. So Nora later, she, after the, the outside confrontation, she goes into, like, an office wherever that Roxanne, like, uses. And she brings her some tea. And Roxanne, she's like, oh, you worried I'm going to kick you out? Nora, she's like, no, she's like, I just want to apologize about this morning. And Roxanne, you know, she's like, you know, she starts talking about how she was a detective a long time. Or I think that's what she said. And, you know, she has instincts and, you know, she doesn't like turning people away, but, you know, that's what you got to do. And as she's talking, she takes off her shirt and everything. And we see she only has one breast. And Nora kind of looks away. And Roxanne's like, oh, it's just a tit. And she's like, you've seen those, right? And Nora, um, 
she kind of stumbles and she says like, yeah, but she's like, you know, my, my mother had a double mastectomy and Roxanne's like, oh, did the doctor force her to use implants? And Nora's like, well, you know, we didn't talk about that sort of thing. Then she asked Nora if her mom knew about like the Amazons, like the Greek gals, you know, they had one boob, you know, they cut them off to show their strength. I thought it was because when you pull back an arrow, it's easier. It doesn't get in your way or something like that. I think that's what they mentioned in the comic. But, uh, Roxanne says that, you know, that's what they, they called themselves in the chat forums. And then she thanks Nora for tea. She's like, you know, this is good. But she'll tell her to stop, like, apologizing, being so pathetic. She's like, she's just, like, oozing, you know, this helplessness or, you know, apologeticness or whatever. And she's like, you know, that was BS. You know, that, that was, or that's, that was BS for the men. You know, like, always trying to admit you're sorry or, you know, saying all this stuff. So then uh, Hero's, like, sitting in a bath and, you know, they have, like, these dinks with, you know, they're pouring in, like, hot water and stuff like that. There's a bunch of other ladies there. And one lady says that it seems that you're like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. You know, she's just sitting there, you know, trying to take, you know, she's sitting there naked. And the other women are all naked, you know, washing themselves. And, you know, she's just sitting there. And the, the another says, she's like, you just, you seem like you don't like yourself very much. And another one talks about, like, how good she feels compared to before and you know, she says, you know, she's happy her ex is dead and all this stuff like that. Then Hero tells him that, you know, she and Sam are probably heading out soon. And it seems like it's like they're they're trying to convince her to stay. And they're, you know, they're saying, you know, whatever you did before it doesn't matter. So Sam is is sitting like in in his bunk area wherever he's staying. And it's weird because they're using like the big shelves as they've made like kind of like bunk beds out of these or whatever. So this this lady, I think her name is Kelsey, she she comes up to Sam and she's talking about she's like, Oh, you know, sorry for all the, the man hate going around, you know, just like you know, we're not all like that. And you know, she's like, I'm not like that. She's like, I love men, she's like almost too much. So it's like, oh boy, like this isn't gonna be good. Then a uh, man is trying to feed <laughs> ampersand like some of the wafers, you know, from the, the church. 355 is getting things ready. And then she says that York and man will sleep in the basement while she keeps watch. And he tells her, he's like, okay, you know, you should probably, you know, get some sleep, you know, like an hour sleep or a half hour or something like that. He mentions that she sleepwalks and then she kind of gets real snappy with him. She's like, I'm not your sister or your girlfriend. And, you know, she's like, you don't have to, you know, worry about me or protect me or whatever. And, you know, she's like, I'm about to put my life between you and whatever's coming in. So, you know, he gets mad or whatever. And then he goes to man later. He's like, you are right. He's like, forget her or whatever. Christine, this is weird because Christine's like walking down the hallway and she kind of sees Kimberly walking to someone and she like stops at the corner and she's like kind of watching whatever. But then when Kimberly walks up to her, she's like, you know, she's like, oh, how are you? She's like, oh, she's like, I don't want to talk about it. She's like, I got, I, I'm late for a meeting or something like that. And, you know, she says that she doesn't want anyone to know and she doesn't even know if she wants to keep it. Then Kimberly says, you know, oh, you know, just because I'm a Christian, you know, it's not as bad as people think or whatever. And then she she basically she offers to raise a child if she wants. You know, she's like, you know, just think about it. But Christine, it seems like there's more to it than that, that she, you know, she it's like she's really put off by the idea that she's pregnant. And yeah, in even normal circumstances, you know, it's a big deal, especially if it's unexpected and everything like that. But it, it's weird how, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't be in that position, so I, I can't really speak on it or anything like that. Roxanne's talking to ladies, and uh, they're excited because they're going to have a funeral or something like that, they, they say. So it's like, okay, what does that mean? They, they're they going to have to say goodbye to one of their own, this, this lady named Laura. So they're all gathered, and then she disrobes, and she like lies down on a tarp. 
The others start, uh, you know, there, there's like, I think four of them or something like that. They start putting dirt on her body and they say goodbye, goodbye, Laura. And they put some dirt on her. And, you know, so they're all watching this and Laura or Nora, she decides to put some, some dirt on her as well. Cause you can tell she's really trying to fit in and it's mainly for her daughter's sake. You know, that's, that's why she, she's doing this. Then, uh, then Lori gets up, you know, she's kind of a little dirty from the, the dirt. She gets in the bathtub and sits there and they, they kind of like, you know, wash her a little bit. And then she's like pushed under the water for a few seconds. And then she comes up and then they welcome her and they like ask her what her name is. She's like Athena. So, they're looking at Sam's like in, in a, you know, watching as well. He's like, this is effing weird. So he, um, he just like walks out, he looks over at hero and she's like really intrigued by this. So he just like walks out of this little room. Then that, that other lady, Kelsey, she goes back after him and, and he's like, she's like, Oh, you know, is it too weird for you? Or he's like, no, nah, I'm just tired or whatever. So then we see Regina, she's sitting with the general and uh you know the president walks in and they're like we have eyes on agent bergen which is 355 so that's the name she was using they're like she's holed up in a church in uh nowhere pennsylvania yes, i don't know if that's the name of the town actually whatever so regina says that the general is getting her up to speed which is like why and it was like why is the general doing this so then the president's like how did you, you find her you know whatever and they said that they followed a trail from the wreckage or whatever and they have her secret service file so there's like a lot of questions here, a lot of, you know, friends and family that don't seem to exist. And the president says, well, like, you know, half the people are dead. So it's not a surprise, you know, you can't contact anyone. Regina says it, it's a little odd. And, you know, the president says, you know, a, a secret service agent is not about to take a helicopter for a joyride. They need to consider possibility that she's working for someone else or something like that. I, I, I don't think, wait, now I'm going to remember who said that because I don't, I don't think the president said that. Oh, I think she said that the Secret Service is not going to take the, the helicopter, but then the others, like, or Regina's like, well, we have to consider she might be working for someone. But then the general says that the good news is that she thinks that they, they lost him, and she says there's just two others with her in a church, but they haven't gotten a clear look at them yet, but they're about to. So 355 sitting outside by a fire. You, you can see um, the armed soldier calls uh, the general and says that they have visual so 355 goes into the basement and she sees that York and Man are gone. There's like a window that's like sticking out. So they must have climbed out that way. And um, then there's, I, th I think that the three soldiers are, are outside, the, the bikers. So York and, and Man are outside and, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like trying to get away. And then Man trips, of course, because, you know, that always happens. So the soldier... Um, is waiting for the president to give the order to engage. And so, you know, Jennifer, she's just like, what do I do? You know, she doesn't know what to do. So she finally is like, proceed with caution. So as they, they go, uh, somehow 355 got around them. And so one is taken out. The second one, she goes a struggle, but then the, her, the, the soldier's machine gun goes up. So York now starts running. He fought, amp, ampersand falls out of the cage. He's like screeching, hops onto a soldier. Third, the on his shoulder, did I say shoulder or soldier? Hops onto his shoulder. The third soldier sees him. 355 tries attacking her, and then um, man knocks out the soldier. So, uh, three, so the, the, but the problem is this soldier saw Yorick. So it's like, you know, that that's, could be a problem. Um, 355 gets the third, and then um, the, and the general's trying to contact the, like the captain is like, you know, what's going on? You know, what, what's the situation? Whatever. 
So 355 asks York, she's like, did she get a good look at you? And he's like, and he's just like stumbling. She's like, did she see your face? And he's not sure. So she takes out a knife and she hands it to him. And he's like, no. And she's like, she's like, cut her laces and burn the shoes. It's, it slows them down. So 355 is not happy because, you know, she, and it almost like she's disappointed. I was like, I can't tell if she's disappointed that they were going to leave her. You know, she's doing all this to protect him. And, you know, they, they just took off. And then she tells man, she's like, I'm not going to tell you how to run your life, but until we get to San Francisco, this is my effing show. Then York tries saying, he's like, well, we didn't have any. And she cuts him off. She's like, I wasn't talking to you. So Regina tells the president, she's like, oh, you know, this must be hard for you. And she's like, you know, I heard from people that you had a close relationship with Agent Bergen. And and uh, president, you know, she's like, from people. And she's like, Kimberly Campbell. And she asked Christine, she's like, can we get a minute? So she, she talks to, to Regina. She's like, Kimberly has theories. It's like she tells anyone who will listen. And she's like, so what's this one? That I told Bergen to steal a helicopter and find my daughter? And she's like, you know, Kim's been through a lot. And Regina's like, wow, for a feminist, I wouldn't expect you to call Kimberly crazy. And President's like, I didn't say that. I was, you know, she's grieving. She's like, we all are. So let's not make it into something it's not. And she says that, you know, she knows that, you know, they don't see eye to eye in a lot of things. And Regina says, when Campbell appointed me, you call me a xenophobe and a bigot. And the president says, well, you know, forgive me. Maybe you just play one on TV. She's like, whatever sells catheters, right? And Regina says, she's like, well, there you go again. You know, give me that scornful look, you know, that you're so famous for just because I was on TV. And then she's like, you know, if you had something going on with Bergen and a president, you know, says Regina, she's like, you're here now. She's like, we're together. She's like, you know, be useful. And Regina gets up. She's like, there are thousands of people at the gate. And she's like, you know what would be useful? She's like, armored truck and riot police. And she's like, you know, that makes us look weak. And if, if they hear that, you know, your agent attacked our soldiers on your orders and the president's like, she's not my agent. And Regina says, uh, she's like, you know, they don't trust you. They didn't vote for you. And the president's like, oh, they'll get their chance. And she, you know, she starts walking out. And Regina's like, then, you know, they'll, we'll show them who you really are. And she's like, go ahead. She's like, I'll be effing grateful. And she walks out. Oh, so Regina. Uh, the hero is uh, sitting outside smoking a cigarette. Roxanne comes out, sits next to her, you know, start talking about like the star constellation and stuff like that. And then she's like, you know, you should join us. And she's like, you know, she likes her. And then you know, the girls like her hero kind of laughs and she's, you know, Roxanne's like, well, it's so funny. She's like, you know, you don't even know me. She's like, I'm not a good person. And Roxanne's like, oh, now I'm intrigued. So she starts talking about her partner, you know, and, and the paramedic. And she's like, I was with him the night before it happened. And, you know, he said that he was going to leave his wife for her. But then she's like, I didn't even want him to leave her. And, you know, she thinks she just wanted to be chosen. Then she felt stupid and, you know, she started throwing things at him and then suddenly she was angry and, you know, she didn't mean to. And Roxanne's like, you know, did you hurt him? Did you kill him? And Harold's like slowly nods her head and she's like, no one knows. And it, it's like it never happened. She's like, you can't kill somebody and get away with it. And then Roxanne's like, it seems like you did. She's like, you know, you can be whoever you want here. She's like, it's up to you. So then Nora wakes up. And she hears like arguing and crying and stuff like that. And she goes to check it out. And there's like a, a few women talking to Kelsey. And they're like, you know, after everything Roxanne did did for you and everything like that. And because, you know, they have this, I, I guess there's like a rule, like no one's supposed to be alone with Sam because Sam's kind of like a dude or is a dude or something like that. So 
they're, they're just like kind of scolding her and stuff like that. So she's in trouble. And then one sees like Nora and just kind of like nods to her. And then punches Kelsey in the face. She falls down. They start like kicking her while she's down. So I don't know if she's getting in trouble for talking to Sam, if they think she did something, or if they should kick her out. But, but yeah, so that didn't go too well for her. But that was that, that episode. So um, a little more tension. You know, we're, we're seeing this, this stuff building between Regina and the president. You know, so we got that conflict going on there. Um, it's surprising that you know they they sent people after 355 and that they caught up so quickly. So and the fact that one of them may have seen York's face, like did they recognize him, or is it just like oh it's a dude, or is it you know someone on testosterone or whatever? So all in all, I mean yeah, there, there's some stuff happening, but um, we'll have to see. Are, you know, how far are they going to get? Are, you know, they're going to head down the road and, you know, are they going to get closer to San Francisco or are they going to get distracted or whatever? So we'll see. Then with Stargirls season two, episode nine, summer school, chapter nine. So this, this was a heavy episode. I mean, there, there's a lot going on here. So yeah, um, it starts off decades ago. We see this like this creepy old house. There's like a record player. There's a, a journal, like there's like drawings and stuff in there. There's an old, old timey like typewriter. And there's like, it's just like the cover page. So it's like, okay, you didn't get very far in your writing, but it's like it, the, the title page says lost societies by Bruce Gordon. So Bruce Gordon is the explorer dude who found the black diamond and Eclipso and all that. So then he's just sitting in a chair holding a diamond. He's like, I wish I never brought you back from that damn island. And he mentions that he like ruined the lives of his colleagues and friends or something like that. And Eclipse was like talking to him that, you know, it's like they, they have so much more to do and stuff like that. And, and he says how like Bruce owes him and he screams like, you leave me alone. And he like throws his class uh, and like against the wall, but he's still holding on a diamond. So it's like, okay, why didn't you throw it a diamond if you're whatever? But he, you know, Eclipse says that, if he really wants to, he can put the diamond down, but he can't because he he can't release the power. And then uh, Bruce pulls out a gun from a drawer, and Eclipso says, "He's like, what if I fix it all? You know, because he sees his loneliness. He's like, you're not alone. He, you know, he's he says he's like, I'm I'm here with you. And they talk about uh, this woman who he has a picture of. He's like, you lost her once because you let her go. He's like, we can get her back. And he's like, Mona." And then Eclipse is like, her husband's the only thing that stands between you two. He's like, once he's gone, Mona will be yours, like her heart, her body, and her soul. And Bruce's like, I won't kill anyone. And Eclipse laughs. He's like, not you, Bruce. He's like, me. Let me take control. You'll never be alone again. So he's like, just drop the gun and let me take control. So he, you know, he's sitting back, sitting in a chair, and then he drops a gun. And then uh, he like jerks back. Eclipse takes him over. And the present, Barbara's at work, and then this dude walks in. He's like, hey, we're all being sent home. And she's like, why? He's like, there's a you know storm rolling in. At the house, uh, Mike is getting like snacks. He's, they're, they're packing to go in the basement. Pat's like, we're, we're not going to be down there for a month. You know, There's like big bags of like Cheetos or whatever and all this stuff. Courtney comes in. She's like, Rick's hearing was canceled. And Pat's like, well, that's fine. He'll be safe in jail. And she's like, no place is safe. And you know he says that, They'll help him when the storm passes. And Courtney says, the storm isn't passing, and you know it. She's like, you know, we know who's causing it. And after what he did to Yolanda, Rick, and Beth, you know, she says that, you know, he, he or what, that Beth thought that she was in their house. And, you know, she and Beth have decided that they're not waiting around anymore. And he's like, what does that mean? She's like, we have to go after him. You know, we have to do whatever it takes. And, you know, she's like, if you won't tell tell us how the JSA defeated him last time, we'll have to figure it out ourselves. 
And he's like, we are not prepared. And she's like, Pat, I love you, but when have we ever been prepared enough to make you happy? And she's like, I'm going to go call Beth. And she says, she's like, I'll call you as soon as we find a center of the storm. And Pat's just like, it's it's weird the way he's acting because he doesn't like really protest more. He just like doesn't really know what to say, and he's just like standing there. Then he looks like looks over the counter, and there's like a yellow rose like sitting in in a, like a little vase, and he just like looks at it. Then we get a flashback, which I guess it, to, it was Rebecca McKnighter's funeral because there's like yellow roses there. So then they're they're talking about they wonder how you know how could someone do that to a child, and then you know, they're like not someone something. And, you know, then someone walks up like, we'll catch that monster. So it's Jay Garrick, the Flash. And, you know, Pat's like, Flash. And and so Starman, he's like, not, you know, we're not in costume now, Pat, or something like that. So then Pat's like, tries to ask a question. And Sylvester, you know, Starman's like, let the members ask the questions. He's like, he's such a jerk to him. <laughs> but but Jay, you know, he, he kind of ignores Sylvester. And he like, he does answer Pat's question anyways. So then uh, they return to the present. Pat somehow pricked himself on a rose. You know, he's like bleeding a little bit on his finger. And he looks around the house and he has just like this weird look on his face. So it's like, what is going on with you, dude? And then there's like more roses around. And then there's like a casket sitting in the living room. Obviously, Eclipso is like messing around. He slowly walks towards it. The lid kind of creaks so open and his hand starts kind of peeks out. Then Pat just like closes his eyes. He hears a like a girl's voice, and then everything's like back to normal. But but even so, he hears liar or whatever, and he's he's just like looking at the room. Mike, meanwhile, hears a uh, Courtney talking to Beth about the goggles and you know about being able to see Eclipso and, and you know how the staff can hurt him, but it's weak. Yolanda hasn't called her back and everything like that. So Mike just goes downstairs, and then he like breathes out, and you can see his breath. It's like cold in the house. Uh, so then he uh, he he has like two sleeping bags and and he's just really cold. So he calls uh, Pat, his dad, and he's like, is, "Is the heat you know out or something like that?" Pat went into the basement and you know he has the, the diamond pieces and he, he puts a bandaid on his finger you know from from the rose. Then there's a flashback. So Pat asks Sylvester, he's like, you know, they're at the cemetery. He's like, you know, what can we do now? He's like, Doctor McNider was you know my friend too, and you know he's like. You know, I, I know I'm not on a team, but this is different. And Sylvester's like, I know. You know, like, you know, he says she was only ten. He's like, we can't let this happen again. Then, uh, as you know, as they're kind of walking, they see shade, the shade over by a tree. And Pat's like, oh, I'll go get the other. And Sylvester's like, no. If he wanted to fight, he wouldn't just be, you know, staring us down in, in broad daylight. So he walks over to the tree to, to go talk to the shade. He tells Pat, you know, as he's walking, he's like, we'll talk later about getting you more involved. And then so they, they go and they kind of go like around the, the tree. So Pat's just sitting there and you know, when they're out of sight, so he goes up and then they're gone. So it's like, okay, what the heck just happened? Barbara's driving home, she's listening to the radio. It's, it's kind of getting a little staticky and everything like that. And then suddenly the, the car dies in the middle of the road. And it's like this little road through the woods. And her door suddenly like locks on its own. She's just sitting there. And then it's like starts pouring rain. So it's like the storm just like hit. But it's like, what happened to her car? Pat's in the basement. He opens this box with all these, you know, classified GSA files, and he's like looking at old pictures. There's like a picture of him and, uh, you know, Stripesy and, and Starman. Flashback again, JSA headquarters. He's working on his car. Sylvester comes in, and Pat's like, "What happened?" And he's like, "What we're facing, it's not, it's not human." And Pat's like, "What is it?" He's and Starman's like, "Shade called it a, a spiritual parasite." Somehow Bruce Gordon found it. It can make you see 
it as anything it wants. It makes your nightmares come true. And he's like, he told me how to stop it. And Pat's like, why would the shade help us? And Sylvester's like, I saw fear in his eyes. You know, he said that he faced him before. It murdered men, women, and children. He's, he called it real evil. And he's like, the only way to stop it is to kill the host. And Pat's like, you're talking about killing another human? And Sylvester's like, when the host dies, Eclipse will be forced back into the diamond. So as long as no one touches the diamond, and then Pat's like, we we could have to just exercise the you know the host, and you know that way we can save the the person. He's like, that's the JSA code, right? And Sylvester's like, yeah. He's like, you're right, Pat. He's like, there's there's always a way. So then we're right back to the basement, and it's like weird. So you know they're getting ready for the storm and everything, and it's like he's not even worried about Barbara. You know, one, she's at work and it's like, hey, okay, she should probably be getting home even if they weren't told to come home. But it's like he's just like in this cloud in this daze. Mike tries turning on the heat and then there's a knock on the door. So he goes to check it out in his camera. He says that he got caught in a storm and he didn't know where else to go. So um, Mike's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's like, it's it's just like a regular normal storm. You know, he's just like, whatever. And then he, uh, Cameron's like, is Courtney here? And he's like, yeah, she's upstairs. And then he's like, what about your mom? And Mike just like looks, looks at him and he's, he like doesn't really answer. So it's like, wait, what, what's going on here? Barbara is still in her, in her car and it's pouring. At this point, it's like, wait, is her phone dead? Is there no receptions? Like, why is she just sitting there? She tries opening the door to get out. It's like, okay, it's the middle of the storm and you're going to get out of your car. And, you know, she doesn't have an umbrella and probably an umbrella wouldn't happen. But the door is like, like jammed shut because the door locked or whatever. She tries that, turning the key, you know, turning over the engine. It just it just grinds. And then now, finally, she picks up her cell phone and she's like holding up. There's no signal. But then you hear, hello, Barbara, from the back seat. She turns slowly and it's Jordan, I Icicle. He's like, we have a lot to catch up on, don't we? And then the camera pulls up to like above the car, like on a road, and just like ice kind of freezes out from the car. So Mike made a fire in the fireplace. And Jordan's like, oh, nice fire. Um, it was a little more sincere than I just said it. <laughs> then Mike's like, you know, I told you, you, you can go up and see Courtney if you want. And he's like, oh, I will. And, you know, then he's just kind of standing back behind him, picks up like a, a picture of the family sitting on like an end table. He just kind of chuckles. He's like, it must be nice to be part of a family like this. And Mike's like, uh, yeah. He's, he's like, I'm, you know, real close to my dad. And then he's like, are you cold? And Cameron's like, is it cold? He, and he, he continues like, I, you know, I lost my mother when I, when I was eight. Then he asked me, he's like, how old are you? He's like, 15. He's like, he kind of like smirks. He's like, so you got seven more years than I did. Oh, wait, she's your stepmom, right? Uh, I guess it won't be a, as hard on, on you. He's like, it won't be like she abandoned you. And Mike looks at him, he's like, who told you that? And Cameron's like, a friend. And he's like, a friend who also told me about my father and how you ran him over and left him for dead. And Mike's like, it was an accident. He's like, I didn't mean to kill him. And he laughs. Cameron laughs. He's like, he's like, you didn't kill him. He's like, he's still here. He's with Barbara now. And Cameron's like, and I'm here with you. And he breathes out like, and the fireplace goes out. He breathes out like some some cold. So Barbara's car is like frozen outside. Like windows are frozen over. Uh, you know. And she's like, you're dead, Jordan. She's like, you're not really here. And Jordan's like, Eclipso? He's like, no. He's like, this storm is my doing, my rebirth. And he said, you know, he's like, I would have protected you and Courtney from all this nonsense. She's like, but you hurt me. And he's like, so now it's time I hurt you. So this is all, you know, because he he fell in love with her. He hardly even knew her. And he like had a crush on her or whatever. And, and plus the fact that she's married. 
Mike calls out to Courtney and, and, and to Pat, and Cameron's like, no one is going to help you. And then Buddy comes in, and he, like, barks and starts charging. And it's, thankfully, we don't see it, but Cameron just, like, zaps, like, freezes him. Like, he raises his hand and, and freezes him. He's like, everyone in the house is going to die. Mike tries hitting him, you know, behind with, with a fireplace poker, but he just, like, grabs it and freezes it. And so Mike has to drop it, and he just, like, snaps it. Jordan is still talking. Robert's like, you're insane. And he's like, you know, for the first time since my wife died, I was in love. And then uh, some smoke, like, or shadow started appearing in the passenger seat. And the shade's like, he's not real. He's like, start the car. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with it. He's like, ignore the nightmare and start the car. So, you know, she starts the engine up and then, like, the ice melts. And then Shade's like, go home. And he, But then he's like, I need Emily. And then she starts driving. So Mike is, like, walking away from Cameron. Cameron uh, puts, like, he, like, kind of blasts. He must put ice around his throat or something like that. And he's, like, he tells Mike, he's, like, you killed my dad, so I get to kill yours. He's, like, that's only fair, right? He's, like, you thought you were some kind of hero? He's, like, you weren't even wanted by the JSA, you know, just like you weren't wanted by your own mother. Courtney comes in and sees Mike, like, struggling on the floor and everything like that. She's, like, Mike. And then she puts the staff up to him and, you know, lights it up. And then, uh, then he gets up. He's like, Courtney, look out. Cameron's here. And he's like, all freaking out. And then she's like, there's no one here. And then Buddy comes running in. And, you know, then he, like, pets him. And she's like, where's Pat? So in the basement, Pat gets up. And there's a box, another box. And there's so many boxes. He sees, like, the Starman costume in there. He picks it up. And he, then, he like, he feels his hand. He notices, like, it's kind of bloody. So he puts a costume down. He goes to like a sink down in the basement and he starts like washing it. But then you see there's someone like standing behind him. But it's like the focus is on Pat, so you can't see who's back there. Courtney's at, at the basement door, like trying to open it. She's like, Pat, Pat. She's like calling. And um, he's still, you know, trying to wash the blood off. Then it, we get a flashback. He's back at the, the JSA headquarters. Starman, Wildcat, Our Man, and Flash walk in. And they said that, you know, there's four of them sitting around a table. And so they need an odd number to vote and break a tie. And they talk about like the others, like Green Lantern. I forget what they say, Green Lantern. I don't know if they said Spectre, um, the the Hawks or whatever. You know, they they all they couldn't stop him. And uh, then Eclipso vowed to go after their families, so they have to do what the Shade says and kill the host. Mike's like, but kill a human? He's like that goes against everything we we or Pat says. You know that that goes against everything we stand for. And Wildcat's like we. He's like last time I checked. He's like you're a mechanic and he's just like he's being kind of kind of kind of rude to him about that and he's like you know we're the ones putting on our lives at risk and you know we're, we're the ones that have to make decisions like this that you know that we don't want to he's like you're not a member you just you know you're just a sylvester's driver so you, you should just stay in your lane and jay's like that's enough and then they say that they have to do this for rebecca and jay's like we got together for justice not vengeance and Wildcat's like, well, I have a son. He's like, so I'm going to do what I have to to protect him. And so Wildcat's like, so I say yes. So they're, they're voting. And Jay's like, I say no. Our man doesn't want to, he's like, I don't want to do this, but you know, I want to protect our family, so yes. And then Jay asks Pat. Wildcat's like, he shouldn't get a vote. And Jay's like, well, he does. So Pat's like, no. He's like, we don't do this. He's, he's like, like Starman says, there's always a way. You know, so it's like two to two. So it's down to Sylvester. And, you know, and then he's like, it's decided. And then Sylvester says, I vote yes. And Pat's like, what? And he's like, Eclipso threatened my family too. Jay says that he's like, I won't take part of this. And he tells Pat to get the car ready 
you know, Sylvester tells him, and he's like, no. He's like, I voted now. And Sylvester's like, he's like, get the car ready. You're like, right now. So in the basement, Pat's still washing his hands. And then you hear, it'll never come off. And your children's blood will be next. So it's like, somehow it's Bruce Gordon back there. And then you know, he's got his gun. So he starts shooting at Pat. And Pat like tries running. And he like kind of stumbles. And he's on, on the floor. And then Bruce is holding the gun to him. He's like, you had a choice and you made it. And then you see that the, the, the JSA are like behind him. You know, the ones that voted, whatever. And he's like, you damned yourself. And then there's like this big bright light. And Courtney's down there with the staff. And he wakes up. And she's like, are you okay? And he doesn't answer. He's just like sitting on the floor. And he's just like kind of looking around. So Mike's sitting on the kitchen floor with Buddy. And he's like, oh, no one's going to hurt you, whatever. He's like, I'll protect you, you know. And then in the basement, Pat, Courtney asks, she's like, she asks him again, she's like, are you okay? And he's he says that, I am, thanks to you. And she's like, what did you see? And he's like, a lot. He's like, Bruce Gordon. And she's like, why? She asks, she's like, what haven't you told me? And Pat's like, I never told you how did JSA really stop the Calypso. So then we get another flashback. Pat's sitting in a car. He's, he's outside Bruce's big house. He opens the door to get out, but then he gets back in. And then he's about to open the door again, but then Starman comes in, sits next to him. And he's like, what happened? Sylvester says, he's like, you're right. He's like, the JSA should never take a life. And Pat notices there's a couple of drops of blood, like on a star in Starman's chest. He's like, but it's too late. And uh, he has a box. He like opens it. And you see the diamonds in there and he closes it. He's like, we need to get this to storage. Pat tries talking to him. He's like, just drive. He's like, it's over. It's all over. So then in the present, so Pat told Courtney all this. He's like, there was no last meeting or decision to break up. He's like, everyone just drifted away after that. He's like, I kept coming around to see if any of them came to sit at the table, but they never did until the ISA formed. He's like, and that was years later. He's like, you know, they were never the same. They were broken. He's like, that's why the ISA won at the end. He's like, killing Bruce Gordon, when they did that, it wound up killing them. And Courtney's like, we promised no more secrets. He's like, you've been lying to me for weeks. He's like, while my friends are getting hurt and almost destroyed by Eclipso. And then and she's like, what's mom going to say? And there's silence. And he's like, she knows. And Courtney just like runs upstairs. Meanwhile, Barbara walks in. She's like, anyone, you guys here? Are you all right? So Mike's in there. He greets her. And then Courtney walks in. She's like, why did you lie to me? And then, then there's like arguing. The camera kind of pulls back. And, you know, so we can't hear what they're what they're saying and everything. You know, Pat comes in and outside the window, the creepy kid Eclipso, he smiles and then he just kind of cackles. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of so it was, it was cool to see Jay Garrick. And now I'm trying to wonder if this Jay Garrick, you know, so is this a different Earth than the Flash Earth? Because I'm trying to think we haven't had any crossover, right? It just it feels different. But, you know, whatever. Uh, but this was good. And just the fact that the the Justice Society, they they killed the human to stop Eclipse. So, you know, they didn't have any other choice. Was there any other way? I mean, the Shade said that that's the way to do it. And I feel I don't feel like the Shade would have lied because he was scared. And, you know, he was scared for himself. And this was the only thing, you know, so pretty bad. Um, crazy times. So we'll have to see what what that means but then it's like also at the same time it's like you know well wildcat killed mike killed and so it's like weird i guess because those were more almost like accidental at least you know like mike's kill you know killing icicle 
but here they they made the specific decision to kill so i don't know but yeah so that that was that was a good episode okay then what if season one episode nine so this is a season finale uh there's supposed to be another season but i don't know when what if the watcher broke his oath so it starts off, we see a bunch of heroes in a, in a Quinjet. We have Captain Carter, uh, Black Widow, Agent Rumlow, other agents, whatever. They're headed to the Lemurian star um, boat, the ship that like Batrick took over in a, um, Winter Soldier and Black Widow. So it's almost like the same thing. She has Peggy. She's like, oh, do you have plans for Saturday? And she's like, no, whatever. And she's like, well, you know, I think Bernard in accounting and, you know, stuff like all that stuff. She jumps out of the plane goes down there takes out some dude patrick wants a fighter thought she was more than just a shield all this stuff like that and then you know they're, they're fighting and all this stuff like that then she's like whoa she's like did you see that it's like, and it's like is she really trying to the, the major look move or whatever but then you see the watcher kind of like in the clouds like big there then he starts talking to her he's like agent carter you've been chosen so then it, it changes to dairy queen on earth there's a bunch of like alien ships flying outside ego um is zapping Peter, his son, and then Star Lord um, T'Challa flies in, grabs Peter, puts an explosive in Ego, and they, they fly out. Then the Watcher starts talking to Star Lord T'Challa. You have been chosen. Uh, we see this gauntlets being dipped into this molten metal. Uh, Tony Stark is there. It's the giant dwarf um, Etri, whatever his name, and Gamora is there. Uh, so they're, they're doing some weapon, talking about some stuff. And then uh, Watcher shows up, and he's like talking and uh, then he's like, not you, Stark. <laughs> and he's like, says, Gamora's been chosen. Then we see Shuri, Pepper Potts, and some of the Dora Milaje, they're running because they they're want to. they going to get Killmonger uh, to try him for murder under Wakanda law. And Shuri's like, she's, she's like, an American's going to have him after we're finished. Then the Watcher appears, Killmonger's been chosen. We see Thor fighting a bunch of Ultrons. So this is so these are all, uh, as you may figure or may realize, these are all different versions that we've seen in past episodes. So then we see Thor. So this is like college drunk party Thor. Uh, he's fighting a bunch of Ultron, Ultron drones. He's complaining. He's like, I was supposed to go on a date. I got flowers and all stuff like that. And then Watcher's like Thor. And he's like, have at thee, have at thee. And he's like just fighting, you know, all these drones. And, and he doesn't even realize the Watcher. He doesn't even hear him. So finally... The Watcher grabs him with his giant hand. He's like, you have been chosen. And Thor's like, ah! He's like screaming. <laughs> and then they're suddenly all in a pub, and Thor, like, mid-scream, like, stops. Doctor Strange is there also from the one episode that we saw last time. Peggy's like, she's like, I know this place. And she was a pub. And Strange is like, it's like, yeah, the, the pub facade was my idea. He's like, I read about it in your biography. So Thor's like, well, then, can I have a beer? And then he gives him a beer. And he also, he has like an Ultron head and he like kind of slams it on the bar. And uh, Killmonger just kind of looks at it. So it's like, okay, what's what's going to happen there? Gamora, she's, you know, you hear like Bacon, she's like, send me back now. And it's like that. The lights go dim for a second and the Watcher is there. And T'Challa's like, come on. He's like, get a new trick, man. <laughs> and he tells them, the Watcher tells them that they've been chosen for a mission that is highly dangerous and absolutely necessary for the continuation of life as they know it. So he said, you know, first I scoured eternity for one true hero. Then, you know, he saw a bigger picture. This mission requires a team, the perfect combination of skills and experience that alone will triumph. Peggy and uh, Gamora, they basically like say, it's like, so you kidnapped us from across the galaxy to save the universe? And he's like, not exactly. He's like, it's more complicated than that. Steven says, he's like, 
she's like, you aren't just a, our best hope for saving one universe. And a watcher's like, you're our last hope to save all of them. He's like, you are the guardians of the multiverse, which sounds cheesy when you put it that way. Thor finishes beer. He's like, ah, he's like, Loki put you up to this, right? You know, he's like, I don't have time for his pranks. He's like, Lady Jane, my Lady Jane needs me. So he's about to walk out the door and, and Strange is like, I wouldn't do that. And then uh, he opens the door and he almost gets sucked in. There's like this bright like vortex outside. So they, they kind of see this and Peggy's like, we're in. And he's like, mind telling us what we're up against? So the Watcher says that their worlds are currently under attack or soon will be under attack by Ultron, an artificial intelligence elevated to the level of cosmic being thanks to an enhanced synthetic body and the power of the Infinity Stones. So they feel like the only way to stop him is to separate his body from the stones. So as they're like talking to Thor, he's like, is there any intergalactic Chinese food delivery, whatever? He's like, because my stomach is getting rumbly. So they're talking about all these plans and everything like that. And then Thor is like, you know, how would they even destroy the stones after they separate them? Gamora pulls out this big, huge thing. And she it's like the Infinity Crusher. It's designed to disintegrate each stone into nothing. So I think that's my, what they might have been working on when the Watcher got her. And so she maybe melt that, melted down the gauntlet into this huge thing. So they have to find a place to track Ultron's attention. Strange is, you know, so they're, they're like in a universe where I guess there is no life or something like that. So, um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So Strange is setting up these protective spells. And uh, at one point, like his right hand kind of, kind of turns squid-like and he has to like fight it back. And Captain Carter, she's like, she's like can I ask? She's like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, the same thing that happened to you. He's like, love. And she's, she's like, I assume you know the Captain Carter in your universe. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's Captain America. He's like, in my universe, Steve Rogers received a serum. And she's like, ah, that would be a, a sight to see. Killmonger, he has the Ultron head and he's kind of like fiddling around with it. And then, you know, Gamora's like by Thor. She's like, do you trust him? He's like, looks, he's like, I trust everyone. So they're getting ready to fight. Uh, Dr. Strange proposes a toast. So he makes a tray of drinks, whatever. He starts talking about how they're going to be facing death and their bravery and, and you know, nothing. That's, he's saying all this stuff and it's just like kind of bringing them all down. They're like, oh, crap. Then Chachala's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take this. And he's like, to the multiverse. And they uh, raise their drinks. Then Ultron senses, he's like, oh, there, there is life in this universe. So he cracks his way through. Uh, Strange enhances them all with like protection spells. So they have like the, the yellow light symbol things around them. Thor, he's like, oh, I'll handle him. He's going to fight him directly. And, and Peggy's like, that's not part of the plan. So he like blasts him with, you know, lightning, whatever. And, and it, it does nothing. So uh, then he, Ultron just like zaps like the, the crop of cliffside, whatever they're standing on. It just like collapses and they're buried. He's like, oh, I didn't think it was it would be that easy. But they bust through the rubble. They start, you know, fighting him again. And, you know, because they don't even have a scratch because of the protection spells. So, and then uh, Strange like makes a bunch of Mjolnirs or start like hitting Ultron from all sides and everything like to distract him. Agent Carter flies into him, you know, uh, Star-Lord's carrying her, lets her go. She goes flying into him with the shield. Uh, Star-Lord then zips by. He manages to steal one of the stones. He takes us the soul stone. And then uh, he's uh, about to, or Ultron's like, oh, you have a bunch of, what? I'm going to bring out my own toys. But then he realizes, like, what happened to my stone? He's like, does he realize the soul stone's gone? Then Doctor Strange makes a bunch of zombies fall on him, you know, so they can, like, kind of get away. And then Ultron, like, momentarily faces zombie Scarlet Witch. She tries blasting him, but, like, you know, nothing happens. So they, they arrive by the others. 
Peggy throws the Soul Stone to Gamora, but then uh, Wasteland, Black Widow, whatever you want to call her, she zips by in her motorcycle, grabs it. Guns are drawn, everything like that, and Peggy tells him to stand down. She's like, this is Natasha Romanoff. And then Natasha's like, and I'm also supposed to be the last person alive on this planet. So this is the one where they, they fought Ultron. This is where it kind of started. So Peggy tries explaining. She's like, I know who you are. She's like, you know, we're from different universes trying to stop Ultron. And uh, then Natasha just like cocks her gun. She's like, okay, that's crazy. So she tries to prove it by saying, mentioning her father is Ivan, her dad is Alexei. And she's like, and you're the one woman I trust to have my six. Natasha kind of believes her. And then Ultron arrives. And he's like, I believe you have something that belongs to me. So Natasha, he like kind of like pulls her up. She's like starts floating up towards him with the stone. Thor throws his hammer, smashes Ultron's arm off, and then Natasha and the stone start to fall. Strange kind of makes a spell to kind of teleport her safely to the ground or whatever. And then he gives her like a protection spell to, you know, protect her. Killmonger uh, grabs the stone, but then Ultron forms a new arm and blasts him. The stone falls. Peggy and Gamera, Gamora both run towards it. Uh, more Ultron blasting. Ultron's mad. He's like, I can destroy galaxies with a thought. He's like, why won't you die? And then you see like pull back. It's like, whoosh, like everything blows up. But then it gets sucked back in. And Doctor Strange, he like takes a big explosion in his hand and like swallows it. And Ultron's like, wait, what? And then Star-Lord smashes into him. More fighting. So they're like, don't give him a chance, whatever. So they're just like, blast, hit, boom, boom. Just like, from all, like all around him, just just each hitting him. And every once in a while, you know, someone's trying to grab the stone, but then they get bumped. And Ultron tries, you know, so it just keeps going over. Then Ultron uses a time stone. So it's like big green energy. Everyone freezes, and the, the soul stone's like floating in the air. So he goes to reach her, grabs it, but then a big squid tentacle arm grabs him from Doctor Strange. So he's pulling him back. And then he's like, like more squid tentacles come out of like his chest or whatever. Slams Ultron down. Gamora grabs the stone. Thor blasts him. Strange calls, you know, more more spells against him. Gamora uses a the stone crusher, and then she like has it like on top of Ultron's chest. So um, it pulls out the the stones from Ultron, and it, whoosh, a big explosion. And Thor's like, "That's it. It's over." And Tachal's like, "It doesn't feel like it's over." And then Ultron's voice like. I'm honestly surprised. Didn't the Watcher warn you? Every universe is different. Each one a fraction unique. Thus the Infinity Stones are unique. So now while he's saying all this, it, they're all like standing around in a circle, like getting ready and everything like that, kind of like in the first Avengers movie. Then Gamora's like, of course. It's like the Crusher was designed to destroy the stones in my world, not, not his. So then Ultron whoosh, rises up and he has the stones back. He fires up and blasts at them. And he looks at Strange. You know, he's trying to blast them, but they all have their, their protection spells. Then he's, when he sees, looks at Strange, he's like, it's you. If I destroy you, you all fall. So he's like blasting at them. It's kind of like pushing them. You can see it's straining the protection spells. They're starting to get weaker. Natasha gets um, pushed back and she sees her motorcycle and like her stuff. And like the USB arrow there is there with, with Arnim Zola still, the, the program's inside. So she um, tells Carter to give her like a clear shot or whatever, something like that. So she rides her, her motorcycle into this building, like up the stairs and everything like that. Carter's like running on another one and she like jumps at him, whatever, jumps on Ultron's head, like pulls pulls his head back. So it's like his, his face is sticking up just as Natasha shoots the arrow and it's like perfect timing because it hits him right in the eye. 
and then Carter and Natasha both they land kind of hard, but but you know they're they're safe. Ultron pulls the arrow out, but Zola's inside of him. And then he starts talking. He's like, "Who's there?" And Ultron and Zola start arguing and everything like that. He's saying how his his objective has changed because of of Ultron. So now his objective is to end him. Ultron falls. So they approach his body, but then Ultron's body starts sort of like disintegrating, and it's getting absorbed by the Ultron head that Killmonger has that he took from Thor. The stones also float up. And then now Killmonger is wearing like the Ultron armor with the stones under. And T'Challa's like, cousin, what are you doing? And he's like, the Watcher owes us this. He's like, with the stones, we can fix our world, our lives. He tells T'Challa and Thor, he's like, you can protect your homes. And he's like, tells Peggy, he's like, you could be with your fellow again. And he, he says to Strange, he's like, you know more than anyone. This is our only chance. And T'Challa's like, he tells him, he's like, hand over the stones, cousin. And Killmonger's like, I'm not your cousin. He's like, I'm sorry, it has to end this way. He starts powering up, but then he he gets pushed back. So uh, the spells are still kind of working. And then Zola gets up in Ultron's like battered body. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like, I'm afraid that armor belongs to me. And then Peggy's like, is that Arnim Zola? And Natasha's like, yeah. He's like, some evils, you know, never, evil never changes. Sometimes it mutates or something like that. Zola raises Ultron's hand and then the armor on Killmonger starts disintegrating and the stones start drifting to him. Killmonger um, raises his hand. So now they're both like fighting each other and, you know, they're, they're both trying to call the stones back. It's a big energy fight and all this stuff like that. And then uh, they're like surrounded by this like crystal spherical thing. And Strange is like, like we were never meant to win. It's like, we were meant to separate the stones from the body. So he, you know, the, so he's got the spell around them, and then the watcher intervenes. There's a big, bright white light. So then the others, like you know, put down their gardeners, like looking around, and and then you know, the sun suns come. Or it must be setting. I, I was thinking it was a sunrise, but I, they're just like enjoying their victory. So then we see uh, Strange is holding uh, Zola and Killmonger locked in a battle in this the crystal sphere. It's, it's like the size of like a softball or something like that. He tells the watcher, he's like, you foresaw everything, in, including the, the failed Infinity Crusher, Killmonger's betrayal, and and my, and then he's like, sacrifice? He's like, well, sacrifice would mean, you know, you have something to lose. The watcher's like, well, someone needs to tend to them. If that pocket dimension cracks, if they escape, and Strange is like, I'll watch. And he's like, I have nothing but time. So then uh, the watcher talks to the others about what, you know, what they did. And he's like, but your worlds will never know of this victory. He's like, once you walk through that door, because they're back in the pub. He's like, once you walk through that door, you'll return to the exact moment you left. So they're, they're walking out and Peggy's like, you know, almost the last one. And she like stops for a moment to look at the picture of Steve in the pub. And the watcher tells her, he's like, it's t- a, a, a Captain Carter. It's time to go or something like that. And she just like looks at him and he's like, you'd rather return to another time. And she's like, haven't I earned my happy ending? He's like, trust me. He's like, that world, that time needs Captain Carter. So she like kind of thinks about it. And then she looks at Natasha and she kind of nods. So then uh, it's just them. So then the watcher's like, then there was one. And Natasha's like, I won't go back there. She's, she's like, my world, it's gone. And she's like, you know, she's like, you won, but I lost. And he starts to say, he's like, I cannot interfere. And she's like, I know. He's like, you know, we're just stories to you. He's like, we're not real. And she asks, she's like, did you make popcorn when Ultron burned my world and my friends to the ground? He's like, you're all much more than that to me. And she asks him, she's like, why don't you just fix my world? He's like, I can't. And she's like, again, she's like, I'm not walking through that door. 
He's like, well, the door was more of a metaphor anyway. He raises his hand and the, the pub like changes. They're on top of a helicarrier. So then we see like a bunch of people, like Avengers are fighting, like Captain America's there, uh, Captain Marvel. They're fighting a bunch of Lokis. And he, the Watcher's like, he says they're on a world that lost their widow. And she's like, it's a mess. And then uh, we see Loki holding the scepter. Nick Fury's lying on the ground. He's holding the scepter. He's like, you and your Avengers have fought valiantly. Now it's time to tell me all of your secrets. And then he gets hit by a flying kick from Natasha. She grabs the scepter. And he's like, I was told you were dead. And she's like, same. And she touches his chest with the scepter and his eyes go black. So he's like under her spell or whatever. And then Fury gets up. He's like, you're not my Natasha, but something tells me you have her spirit. So then the Watcher talks. He says something, you know, because we see the other, we get glimpses of, of them returning to their universe and lies and their being home or whatever. He's like, the multiverse, every single world, every story is my home and I will protect it to the end. And then the credits. But then, mid-credit, Peggy just must just arrive to a world. Patrick hits her and knocks her down. And he laughs. He's like, I'm too fast, whatever. And she gives him this look. Uh, you know, like she's about to get up, whatever. But then he gets zapped by Natasha from behind. And Natasha's like, don't tell me, was he was your type? And Peggy gets up and hugs her. She's like, I've never been so happy to see you. Natasha's like, did you hit your head or something? And she's like, a few times, actually. And then Natasha's like, well, you better shake it off because you're going to want all your marbles for this one. So they walk into this, like, this, this storage area, and there's like this big door. So they found what the pirates were after. So there's like this door cell or whatever because there's like this little window. They look inside. It's it's Steve's Hydra Stomper. And Natasha's like, yeah, and there's someone inside. And then it fades to black. Credits. So somehow the Hydra Stomper survived. There's someone in there. So we have to assume it's Steve Rogers in there. But what does that mean? Is somehow... Somehow it's young Steve Rogers, or is it like old man, like old little little man inside this big armor? I don't remember how it ended because I think he, yeah. So maybe we'll get a sequel. To, I don't know if we'll get a sequel to this, but it was a good episode. So it was a little weird because you know it it does feel like it's the end because it it pulled characters from all like the whole season. And it kind of put them together and it kind of wraps things up that with that watcher interfering so soon. So yeah, even though, you know, this was whatever the, the ninth episode, uh, all that, but it's like he interfered already, but that's okay. Cause it establishes that, okay, maybe he's not really that creepy of a guy that, you know, he does care about, you know, the worlds and everything like that. So, so it was a good season. Uh, but now, we have no Marvel content until, you know, I guess, for about a month, maybe a month and a week, till no, November. I forget what it would. I don't think it's the 6th, whatever. But uh, Hawkeye will be out uh, next month. So we'll have to wait for that. But it was a good season of What If. I wasn't super crazy about it, but this was a good episode, you know, just pulling everything together. I don't know about these characters specifically being, like, the chosen ones. Like, these are the best of the best. Okay. But that, that's fine. So... It was a good show. Good season. Uh, now we want more. Okay, with Titans, season three, episode 11, the call is coming from inside the house. Which, it was an interesting title. Okay. Anyways, it's 
It starts off with John. I'm I'm done with Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow. It starts with him. So he's he's in Wayne Manor, and he starts listening. You know, he's listening to like his computer Alexa or whatever. He's listening to TLC's Waterfalls, and this is supposed to be like a funny whatever scene. He's like shaving. And as he's listening to Waterfalls and like singing along with it. So he's shaving, you know, he's in, in Bruce Wayne's bathroom and bedroom. He's shaving with his like his, his straight razor. And at one point he like wipes this part. This is such a stupid thing, stupid that it bothered me. He wipes a shaving gunk like on a monogram towel. And it's like, why would you do that when you could just rinse it off? And now you got this towel with like shaving cream and stubble on there. There's no Alfred here. Who do, who's going to do the laundry? There is no cleaning service. <laughs> and, and and then he's doing more to the stupid dancing. It's like that's supposed to like, oh, it's wacky dancing, crazy villain. It just bothers me so much. I don't know why. And he puts on one of Bruce's suits. Then he goes into the Batcave, which is like, you no, you can't have him there. Why Why is he there? Uh, and he's like, looks at all these weapons, sees his old scarecrow mask in a vault and everything like that. And for some reason, it's like the computer is following his every command. I would think that there'd be like some sort of security, like voice act. You know, it's like your voice isn't in our database. So, you know, you, you can't tell me what to do type of thing. But no, apparently... Anyone can go into the Batcave, which is helpful for the Titans, I guess, for Connor to do whatever. Because, you know, would Connor be in, in Bruce Wayne's database, you know, voice whatever records? But Scarecrow can just like, hey, give me this. Are there any files on, on villains or something like that? So he, he asks for a dossier and high-level villains. Is there a file named Crane, Jonathan, a.k.a. Scarecrow, affirmative? So then he asks the computer to, to play the file. So it's an addendum file. Bruce Wayne's talking. He's like, after a detailed study of Crane's criminal record, as well as an assessment of his particular form of psychosis, I can conclude that Crane's efforts are most effective via the use of proxies. Unwitting associates commonly drugged into submission, commonplace as opposed to any direct actions of the dominant personality. In other words, Jonathan Crane, the victim of abuse and neglect, was ill-equipped for the Scarecrow's unique form of brutality taking into account that Crane's alter ego was the mastermind, while Crane himself, the scientist, the diligent student, was wholly ineffectual, it is my opinion that Crane is one of the most, most pitiable, pitiable among Gotham's violent criminals, a broken man without a voice, doomed to speak through others. So basically he's saying that <laughs> Scarecrow and Jonathan Crane are kind of like two separate entities or personas or whatever and jonathan crane's just a big dork you know he's 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 just full of pity that he can't do anything that it's a jonathan crane persona that does all the stuff and it, you know scarecrow needs others to do his work which is ex totally true and he's just sitting there listening to this it's just like oh snap he just he told you <laughs> and he's not even there to tell you Jason, meanwhile, is lying in bed. Then a door slams open. Crane busts in. He's like, what What the F, you know? And he's like, I know what your problem is. And he's like, you're scared. And Jason's like, no, I'm not. And he, like, jumps on, you know, Jason's bed. He's with his shoes. It's like, come on, man. So they argue and stuff like that. He says he's Jason's terrified of everything in the house. You know, he's judge, still judging him. He'll never be good enough. And Crane says that, you know, 
that he'll never be good enough for Bruce Wayne. He so he tells him to get his lazy butt out of bed. They have work to do. It's like the next step. They have to get rid of public enemy number one, Nightwing. And Crane says that they're gonna have to give the people what they want. He's like, he, you know, he can be a homicidal maniac. They don't care as long as they think that he's on their side. Connor is fiddling with this radio, uh, you know, shortwave radio, trying to you know get a hold, see if he can make contact with anyone or hear or anything. It's like, did is this a plan? It's like, hey, if anything ever happens, let's contact each other on the radio. It's like, uh, so that he tells Dick that it's, it's bad out there for Gotham, um, you know, because he oh he went uh, he did a grocery run or something like that. He's like, there wasn't a single cop out there uh, when you know he went for supplies, and then he asked Dick if he had. Oh, wait, maybe it was Dick that was fiddling with the radio. But anyways, he asked if he had any uh, luck tracking down Blackfire or Starfire or, or Gar, and he's like, no. So the internet's down, cell phones are down, police scanners must have switched to an encrypted frequency. Connor asks him how long he thinks that the cops have been working with Crane. He's like, I don't know. Then you hear Red Hood's voice on the radio. He's like, hello, Gotham. Um, actually, no, it was, it was like a video. So then they're, they're watching this, this video of him. And he's like, I'm coming to you from the most exclusive spot in, in town, the Batcave. So, again, this is just like really dangerous stuff, you know, tr territory that they're treading on. So Dick and Connor just like look at each other. Uh, Jason continues. And uh, so it's like being broadcast over. Like Tim's like out in the street. He's, he sees the, the message. And Jason's like, for too long, the city has been at the mercy of criminals. And I'm not just talking about Penguin and Riddler and the Joker. The, the ones who pretend to help but make things worse. And then he says, like, you know, Batman turned Gotham into carnage. There's a new savior in town. So the first thing he's going to do is burn the truth. And he's like, hear me, Nightwing. And he tells him to meet him at Nightwing. He's like, you know the place or whatever. So Connor wants to go back to Wayne Manor. And Dick's like, that's, that's what Jason wants us to do. And he tells Connor, he's like, okay, you stay here. And he's not really happy with that. But he says, you know, he'll be right back or whatever. He's going to go to, like, the Wayne Enterprises to try to hack into the system through, you know, one of Bruce's computers like that, through, like, the back door. Um, and Connor's like, Blackfire was shot. He's like, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. And Dick's like, you know, the best chance at connecting with Blackfire is through the radio. So he's like, I need you to be here in case they call. So Tim, you know, he's walking down the street, and then it's like someone's, like, watching him from a rooftop because he, when he goes look, you know, it's like a bus drives by, and then the person's gone. So it looked like maybe it was Donna. So he goes over to the, it's like, actually it was like a parking garage. So he, he goes up to the top and there's no one there, but then someone grabs him from behind and it is Donna. So he laughs. He's like, oh, you're alive or whatever. He's like, Miss Todd. Or he's like, oh, he's like Donna. He corrects himself. And then she's like, they just let you out of the hospital. And he's like, I let myself out. He's like, when I woke up, there was no one there. And then, you know, and he's like, I checked the bandages. So he like lifts it up and he, he's just got like a tiny bullet. So it's like, it, it started healing. So he said, he just wants, you know, he's just trying to get home. And then uh, she says she heard that the Titans might be holed up in Chinatown. He's like, that's where I'm from. She's like Gotham city, you know, like fate or whatever, you know, bringing them together. So they're going to head over there. Rachel Asgar, if he has any idea how to find the others. And he's like, no. So I guess they don't have a plan for the radio. He, he's like, maybe it's for the best. He's like, you know, we might be safer on our own. And he's like, you know, things have gotten bad. The whole city thinks it's our fault. And he talks about, you know, Jason's miraculous rebirth. And, you know, no one's talking about it, the fact that he came back. And he said, you know, he started looking through Bruce's journal and he found a symbol and some stuff. 
and like mention of the Lazarus pit. So he, he thought that might be the key to everything. So he like draws this symbol like on a wall, and I think he used cheese whiz because it looked like it. <laughs> that's what it is. So Rachel uses her power, or whatever, and it kind of like retraces a symbol and stuff like that. And she's like, I know where to find it. So somehow the symbol and her power is like spoke to her. I don't know. Corey is uh, standing on the street by that general store that she showed up at when she was like in one of her sleeping trances when she drove there. There's like this huge line. Prices are being jacked up. There's this woman with a baby who needs medicine for a baby, and you know she doesn't have enough money. And you know the guys just yelling at her. People behind her are yelling at her to get out of the line or whatever. Then we see Dick. He goes to Wayne Enterprises. He does a retinal scan to enter an office. So it's I'm assuming it's Bruce's you know office. He goes to computer. And it's one of those computers that are like completely see-through, which would just be – that would seem like it would be, be weird. Like if I was staring at my screen and I could see the whole room – maybe if it – I guess it would be – I guess it would, whatever. Um, but then Jason comes on the screen. He's like, he's like, I knew you'd try to go through the back door rather than face me. And then he's like, all your base are belong to us. <laughs> And he's like, midnight. He's like, be there or whatever. And Dick's like, you're never going to win. And then uh, he like hangs up on him or whatever. So then Dick goes to Bruce's safe behind a painting. And there's just like a green light in there. And he like reaches in. So we don't see it just then. Tim arrives at his parents' restaurant. It's like all boarded up. He's like, what's going on here or whatever. So they go around the back. And Donna's like, wait, you know, she wants to go first. So she like, you know, busts the window, goes through there. And then she almost gets shot. There's like, you know, she pushes the shotgun up and it shoots up. So is uh, his dad. So then he's like, dad, it's me, whatever. So they fill him in on what's going on. You know, there's no cell or uh, electricity there. Tim's like, well, maybe not. He So he has a secret base, this room, and I guess he has his own power source. And <laughs> this part is funny. So he has like these computers and stuff on the wall, pictures. Donna sees a picture of herself and she points to it like, huh? Like, you know, she's just like kind of like horrified a little bit and kind of like weirded out. Uh, and then uh, so that, then they're like upset because Donna's trying to convince him to let Tim help, but they don't want him. You know, it's too risky. It's too dangerous and everything like that. Uh, you know, she's like, I don't want him involved either, but, you know, he might be their only chance of, of contacting her team because, you know, dad's like, he's like, oh, you're that's you or whatever. So, you know, he realizes that. Corey, because uh, uh, they also know that, you know, he was like really into like Batman and Robin and all, everything like that. Corey goes after the lady with the baby from the store, and I guess she got some medicine, even though there was a big line, and she caught up to her. And she's like, well, this, you know, give me a few minutes of your time. She's like, I've been having visions of your baby, and I need to know why. And she's like, I know it sounds crazy. And she's says she's been having, you know, waking dreams for weeks. Then the, the lady's like, well, what if, if I don't talk to you, you're going to burn me up? She's like, I saw the video. And Corey's like, I don't have my powers anymore, and plus, I wouldn't do that. So the lady says her name is Capelwa, and the baby is, is Maya. So she just wants to get her baby home. Then this uh, creepy, bald, white dude named Max comes up. He's like, oh, you know, Capelwa, whatever. I was like, I've been wanting to talk to you, but the phones were down. He's like, I want to talk about, you know, the, the cash flow situation we have set up. And she's like, well, I told you I would pay you back in a week after I got my check. And he's like, well, I figured with everything, you know, going crazy in town that I should get it sooner. And he's like, you know, people said, don't drink the water, but I did. He's like, I feel great. Like, I can do anything. He pulls out a gun and points it. He's like, like, I could even get my money tonight. So then Starfire, even though she has no power, she steps in, in front of Capelwa. And, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, well, I'm not getting paid unless I shoot someone. And then he fires. 
the and the bullet just goes like slow motion hits Corey like right in the chest and then she's like in pain or whatever but then her eyes go like green or something like that and then it's like she's on tamarind because you know there's like an orange sky and like this big temple palace or something like that people are like walking everything and she just like waves her arm so it's like she's a ghost like she's not even there then she sees her mother holding her as a newborn the father comes in with like his guards or whatever escort and uh then this lady does something with her hands like some mystical stuff and she's like it pains me to tell you that your daughter doesn't possess that which the throne of tamarind demands and they're like how can this be like you know that the fire you know, it's it's in her, but she's like the fire in her veins is abs. The fire in their veins is absent in her. So, so there's apparently tension, whatever. And Dad says that you know he will not lose the throne, but if she doesn't have the fire, she can't lead. So then he tells the uh, the people to, uh, or he tells the lady to tell people that Corey will be Coriander will be their next ruler. But she's like that would be a lie, and he's like yes, and you will do it. So says your king. So then, then it kind of f- f- jumps forward a little bit. When Blackfire is born, the lady does a thing or whatever. So it turns out Blackfire actually does possess the fire. And then he tells the lady to make a spell to take Blackfire's fire, I forget what her name is, Commander, and give it to her older sister. But she says, I must warn you, you know, this sort of magic always comes with a price. And he's like, is that a threat? So then they bring in Corey as a little girl, whatever they, they do to transfer powers. And Corey sees all this. She's like, it can't be. But then in the present, uh, her her wound kind of glows. And she's like surrounded like blue light. And she kind of starts floating up a little bit. And she's like all back. It looks like she's still in pain. And then the dude, Max, you know, sees all the, all this. He starts running. And this energy blast shoots out and hits him in the back. And then Corey just collapses to the ground. So Rachel and Gar, they go to this old office building, whatever. She's sensing some dark magic from there. And she feels like energy signatures from a long time ago or something like that. And then this metal cabinet slides over in this one room. So I don't know if she did that. It wasn't really clear to me. And there's like this big hole in the wall. So they go inside and it's like pitch black. Meanwhile, a pizza delivery guy just walks into Wayne Manor kitchen. And he's like, oh, the front door was wide open, whatever. Then Crane walks in. He's like, oh, it'll be $25. And he's like, for a pizza or whatever? And I think he says, like, you know, delivery and everything's crazy, whatever. Crane's the region is like, oh, I don't have my, you know, my wallet on me or whatever. So he goes out the door, comes back through the other one, whack, smacks him in the head with a meat tenderizer. I wonder if this was supposed to be, like, Crane walks out and Scarecrow walked in. I wonder if that's what it is. I didn't really think about that when I watched it. So maybe that was... Because otherwise, why did he go out one door and come in the other? So that, that's probably what it was supposed to be, which is going to make sense in just a second. Then Dick returns to the, that place with the radio. Connor asks him, he's like, did you break into Wayne Manor's security system like you said you were going to do? And he's like, there's a change of plans. And then Connor's like, you can't meet up with him. It's a trap. And Dick's like, I know. That's why I'm going. And Connor's is like, well... He's like, I'm going too. He's like, I'm faster, I'm stronger, or anything. He's, you know, there's nothing you can do to stop me. And Dick's like, I was worried you were gonna say that. Raises his hand, whew, blows some like kryptonite dust in his face. And he's like, uh, uh, and he passes out. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I had no choice. And then Crypto comes in, kind of barking and whining. He's like, What's going on? He's like, Oh, come over here, boy, whatever. And he drops some, you know, sparkles, sprinkles some dust on on Crypto too, and he passes out. So it's like sad, but I, I'm assuming they'll be fine. 
Then we see the pizza guys tied and gagged to like a table or whatever. I think they're he's in uh, the Batcave now. Yeah. And Crane tells him, oh, yeah, because he's like, you know, you should be excited. He's like, you know, we're going to prove Batman wrong. He's like, I can instill just as much fear as Scarecrow. And he pulls out like the straight razor and he's like threatening to cut. He's like, oh, maybe I'll cut your ear off or this, you know, all this stuff like that. And then his hand starts shaking. And he, he can't do it. There's a vision of Crane standing, you know, next to him, or whatever. He's like, still weak, whatever. And then uh, he's like, what would you say? So he's, I don't know if, if he thinks the pizza guy said this. It's like, dude, the pizza guy, is, he's gagged. He can't talk. Tim tells Donna that, like, some guy said he saw a Nightwing or whatever. So Donna's going to go so he won't have to face Red Hood alone. Tim gives her a hug, and then there's a knock on the restaurant door. So they're like, okay, what's going on? They're like, GCPD. So dad goes there. Don is, like, standing, like, behind, like, off to the side of the door just in case. And he opens the door, and there's two officers, like, in riot gear. And they're like, yeah, we're doing our rounds, checking to see, like, who's inside. And then they're like, you know, do you have weapons to defend yourselves or something like that? They're like, okay. You know, they're like, no, we don't really have anything, you know, but we're fine. And they're like, we'll keep you on, on our patrol, whatever. And then they leave. And dad's like, yeah, they, they come by every six hours like clockwork. He's like, I don't like it. And then Tim's cousin comes in and he says that they have someone because uh, his, his cousin does some little slightly shady stuff. It seems like he says they have someone on the inside of GCPD, of, of course. And he's like, they're working with Crane. So they're keeping an eye on families that are holding out and they're making plans to raid the armory. So they, they're looking at like the neighborhood like maps. And so there's like all these places who aren't, um, I guess, involved with or drinking the water or whatever. So they're they're, they're going to target them because they could be opposition type of thing. So then Don is like, when was the last time anyone heard from Barbara Gordon? And they're like, she was arrested the night the Titans tried to turn themselves in. So she says that um, the the police are like cranes, eyes and ears around the city. They're gathering information, finding out what kind of weapons everyone has. And she says, you know, Crane's just one inch from winning. The only threat are these holdout cells. So Crane's going to shut those neighborhoods down permanently. Tim tells Donna, he's like, you, you need to go help Nightwing. It's almost midnight. And she's like, the cops will be here any minute. And the cousin's like, not if they're starting at, you know, whatever, this one neighborhood. He's like, you know, we can hold them off for a while. And, you know, she wants to get the group. She's like, you know, if we coordinate against the cops, you know, we maybe could, you know, have a chance. And, you know, she's like, they're like against 100, you know, police officers whatever and she's like i spent my life on an island learning to lead five people against 50 or 50 against 500 and she's like you know maybe it's time to put that to use then uh there's bats flying around the tunnel you know with the place where rachel and gar are and he's like what's with all these you know bats are always coming to her or whatever and then they, they find a lazarus pit so i was like okay i don't think this is a different one than what scarecrow used what jonathan what crane used then we see Corey wakes up on the lady's couch and she offers her some water. She's like, oh, it's from a bottle. Don't worry. And the lady tells her what happened, the blue light and everything like that. And so she's like, are your powers back? She's like, I don't know. But, you know, if, if they are, they're different. The pizza guy is still tied up and Crane's like cowering on the floor underneath. Um, he's like, like, well, my mom was right. You know, it's like, I'm just a coward. But then there's like another Crane talking to him. And he says, you know, time for masks over. So then Crane gets up and I think he walks over to mirror and he still has a razor in his, in his hand. And then you just see like he starts doing something and then the pizza guy starts screaming like, Ugh! so it's like, is Crane cutting himself? Like, we don't see what, what's happening at this point. 
Red Hood was walking and he checks the times, 11.58. And then you hear Nightwing, tick-tock, Red Hood, time's running out. So then Red Hood raises his gun. He goes around and he, like, shoots something. And he, you hear, you're never good at this game. And so it was like a speaker. So he shoots. He's like, you always fall for the bait. Then like the car blows up and sends Jason flying back. And his helmet flies off. And then it's like a smoke bomb goes off. Jason, like, runs for cover, you know, in case he gets, like, attacked from this. So he's like, so is this how it's going down? No more playing by the rules, dicky boy. And he's like, standard bat crap. But he doesn't say crap. He's like, intimidation through terror. And then Nightwing drops down on a car. Jason, like, shoots, but then, you know, Nightwing's not there. So Jason looks around. He yells. He's like, where are you hiding or whatever? So then... uh, he says that he you know, Dick's like or Nightwing's like I'm just setting the stage. So Jason runs like to the street level, and and then Nightwing's there. And Jason starts shooting. Dick like ducks and weaves and jump twirls and everything like that. Doesn't even you know hit him. He throws like one of his throwing things, or whatever, knocks the gun out of Jason's hand. And he has like the surprised look on his face. Then he um, Nightwing pulls out his scrimmas, sticks, and you know lights them up, charges them. They're fighting. Jason manages to walk, knock one of it out of his hand, but then he like zaps Jason with it, like at the chin, and you know kicks him, knocks him down. But people have started walking up. They're like, leave him alone. And you know Jason gets up. They're still like now they're fighting like hand to hand, everything like that. And Nightwing finally like flips him over his back. He lands on there, and Jason's like coughing and everything and just wheezing. Nightwing picks up his gun and he's like, oh, just finish it." Just he's like, "Just remember, I was like, I I did this to you or whatever like that." But then he just like tosses it down, and someone behind Nightwing shoots him, and it like hits him in the shoulder. But he's got like the armor. And it's just like this kid, and he's like, easy, you know, he's like, you don't want to do this. But then Jason gets up, and then Nightwing turns around and starts walking towards him. The kid shoots some more, and then he, like, reaches for his neck. One of the bullets, which is, like, just crazy because he could have shot him straight in the head, but one, but a bullet shoots him in the neck. And you see, you know, even though his hands are, like, blood's, like, spurting out. And then he's just like, uh, the kid's like, I did it for you, Red Hood. He's like, Red Hood, Red Hood. They all start chanting. And then they, they circle around a Nightwing. They start like kicking him while he's down. And, and he's just, you know, probably blood gushing out. Jason, like looking, he's like shocked and everything. And then he just turns around and runs. So it's like, you're such, you're such a weenie. Then the, the Lazarus pit where Rachel Gar starts shaking. And she's like, it's Dick. Something's happening to him. And then, uh, then, like all this like dark energy starts oozing out of her, and she like screams in pain. So it's like, I don't know, know what what's going on there. Then we see Jason back at the Batcave, and Crane calls out to him, and you see the pizza guy's like he's been like gutted open, and Crane's like the time for masks is over. And then he he walks into view. He has like like maybe like five cuts on his face. I guess he's supposed to be like a patchwork, kind of like the scarecrow mask or whatever. And he just like smiles at Jason. He's like, he looks like such a dork. Be gone, Jonathan Crane. I'm done with you. You're such a dork. So that was the episode. But I, I'm 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 glad that this this season is still going on. You know, we're at episode nine. There's still more. So we have all that. But it's just like, oh, Scarecrow of all the, the villains, Scarecrow is such a weenie. With Doom Patrol. Season three, episode five, Dada Patrol. <laughs> so I was like, Dada Patrol is going to be like someone going to have a kid or whatever. Uh, but no, that's not quite what it's about. 
uh, it starts off with like the kids from yesterday by my chemical romances playing. Uh, you see like the Nile scarecrows like smoking from the night before. So Jane's actually listening to my chemical romance. She's in bed. Then, then she's in her mind and she sees Kay talking to like a therapist persona or whatever. And Kay says, you know, she's thinking of, of going up. She's like, I need new shoes, whatever. And Jane's there, and you know, she's like, well, it's her body. You know, she's talking to the therapist. She's like, she can do what she wants. And the therapist's like, she's a girl. She's like, the underground is a delicate ecosystem, whatever. It's dangerous up there. And Jane's like, she wouldn't be alone. She's like, I would be with her. And, she, and the therapist is, says that you know, she doesn't have the right. And Kay's like upset, and she like runs out of the room or whatever. And then Jane asks the, the lady, she's like, do you get off on being a cranky old bitch? And you know, she's like, Kay wants to go up. She's like, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, she's like, you know, we're all part of this. So, you know, like whatever decisions need to be made, you know, whatever happens, they're all supposed to be, you know, part of the, this this process. That's what they, they agreed on. Cyborg is like working on Cliff in the kitchen or whatever. There's like this hose hooked up to him, like his, his the back of his head or something, whatever. And uh, Cliff is looking at, at like a picture of his grandson on a computer. Even the, the screen is like shattered. It's like so, so annoying. You see like a milk cart, carton on the counter has a mi missing picture of the girl from the play who fell into the hole when uh, Madame Rouge showed up, Laura DeMille. So he's going to have some of the medicine he got. And they have like this pouch of like red liquid stuff, which is, I guess, the food protein, whatever that, that he eats. And Cyborg's like, where'd you get this? And he's like, the internet. And then this like pop-up of like this buxom girl pops up. And I don't know if it was like, if it's a porn thing or like a gambling thing or whatever. So he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I'll take some of that. And he goes to click and, and Cyborg's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, Rule number one on the internet, don't click the pop-ups. And then, uh, so he says, uh, he's looking at, reading the, Cyborg's reading the, the the pill bottle. He's like, oh, it looks like you should show some improvement in a, in a couple months, according to this. And then, the, and he's like, couple months, but then Grid boots up, so Cyborg's back online. So instead of blue, the, his chest and his eye are red. He's like, booyah! He's like, I'll be right back, whatever. And close like, you know, he's like a couple months. So he takes the pills and because there's like a funnel attached to the end of the, of the, the, the hose. So he like puts in the, the food liquid stuff and then he like sprinkles in some pills and then he sprinkles in some more. So I guess, you know, he's that dumb because he's, he, I, he, so he figures if the pills are going to take a couple months or whatever, why not just take more pills at once? And that's going to make, make cure him faster. I say, like, how can he be that? incredibly stupid it doesn't work that way so vic is talking to his dad and he's like yeah i don't i didn't want my son going around without any way to protect himself and vic's like well what about star labs he, he's and silas says that he disabled their tracking and surveillance protocol so it'll be their their secret and vic's like is that a good idea and he's kind of silent and then he's like i'm sorry son he's like that's not a word i really used before but you know I, I never wanted to be the kind of dad who pushes his son down some preconceived path and he's like, you know, Cyborg wasn't meant to be a way to reinvent you. And Vic's like, yeah, I know. He's like, I appreciate what you did and what you're doing. And then uh, then his dad gets this other call. He's like, I got to take this call or whatever. He's like, you know, we'll talk later. So then um, then Vic like catches a look at himself in the mirror. And he's just like kind of stares at himself. So there's all this stuff about, you know, he, he could have had synthetic skin instead of the Cyborg stuff. But whatever. Rita is, is uh, in like a hazmat suit in, in Larry's room checking out his stomach. And she's like, yeah, there's no sign of a bump or you know, blemish or anything like that. And she's, you know, he's like, well, maybe it's a side effect of the zombie thing. And she's like, oh, I'd, I'd rather not you know, use or think about the Z word and stuff like that. And she's like, but this must mean you're not dying. 
and then you know he's he's like back looking in the mirror and she notices like his his head's like pulsing under his bandage and she's like don't panic but you know and then he like looks he's like what is that or whatever she's like well it's obviously not a tumor because tumors don't move but they're both kind of freaking as it's moving or whatever then madame rouge because that's she's listed as that in the closed captioning now which is weird because i don't think she was before she like knocks on the door or whatever she's like team meeting in three minutes and rita goes up to like the door and she's like yelling even though she's like gone from the hallway she's like you can't call a team meeting you're not a team leader and we're not even a team so then they're all downstairs, like in the study, sitting on like the, the sofas and, you know, just standing or sitting there quietly. Then uh, and Larry's like touching his head, like feeling it. And Jane looks looks at it, gives him a word. It's like, what are you doing? You know, just rubbing your head. And then <laughs> this was funny. So then Jane says to her, she's like, hey, Doctor Who, because she was on Doctor Who. So that's funny. She's like, hey, Doctor Who. It's like, did you get us all in here so we can watch you do your kegels? Or do you actually have something to say? Cliff like chuckles when she says that. Uh, Rouge is like, the next time you have a question, young lady, I, I suggest you raise your hand. And she asked them if they remember the ant farm that they were in the jailbreak that they orchestrated there. And Cliff's like, yeah. And then she picks up a teacup and throws it against the wall. And she's like, of course. So she's out constantly breaking her teacups. She's like, that's why I'm here. And so she says that they freed those insidious cutthroat terrorists, the sisterhood of Dada. And Rita's like, do you, you want us to find and corral them? And she's like, no, actually, I'd like you to kill them. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're like, we're not the type of people that, that kill. And then they're like, someone says, like, unless they're Nazis or butts. Larry says that, you know, he's like, I was a prisoner to Ant Farm. He's like, we all were, and we're not bad people. And Cyborg's like, what the heck is the sisterhood of Dada? And Rita's like, oh, it's just this insufferable thing the French came up with so they could make crude nudie films and call it art. And Rue shows them Exhibit A, you know, left from behind after their jailbreak. So written on his wall, it says, the eternal flatulation is coming. And then Jane and Cliff start making fart noises and laughing because they're, like, immature. Rouge continues, you know, she tries ignoring it. She says, the insignia is also found in Prague, Mumbai, Wellington, uh, and Kuala Lumpur, and dozens of other cities around the globe. So evidence of a global conspiracy and then she has Jones Journal. It shows that um, they're tracked down. They they're located. They're found. And and Vic's like, oh, that's that's pretty close to us. Cliff starts looking at other pictures. He's like, why does this one say join us? And Rouge is like, oh, it's probably nothing. And she she thinks that something big and bad is coming. That must be why she came there. And Larry's like, you don't want to do this yourself because. And she's like, uh, they'd spot me a mile off, right? So they they sit back and they're like. Ah. And she's like, fine. It's like, if you don't want to dirty your hands, all I ask is for you to observe and report. And Cyborg's like, how do you expect us to do that? And she's like, well, they said join us, so so join, infiltrate. Then, then Jane raises her hand, which is kind of funny because that's what she told her to do. Rouge looks at her, she's like, and she's like, yes. And Jane's like, if we do this, will you go away forever? And Cliff's like, ooh. <laughs> and she looks off and she's like, yeah, probably. And Jane's like, cool. And Larry's like, I'm down. So they all get up. And Rouge tells Rita, she's like, you come with me. And then she, and Rita gets up. She's like, you're not team leader. <laughs> you know, she, so she's really bothered by that. So Rouge, Madame Rouge shows Rita the film, the, the weird dancing film thing, whatever. Rita's like watching uh, off to the side in a glass cabinet. She's like, that's you. And Rita's like, I knew it. She's like, Rita Farr, world-renowned time traveler. She's like, it's true. So she's like really excited. And you know, she's like, I wait till I tell Larry. But Rouge is like, 
you know, so she doesn't know what to say. So they're in a bus. They Larry's driving, and then Cliff's like on the window. It was just kind of like you know fogged over. He draws a, a rocket ship, you know, if you know what I'm talking about. And he's like giggling, and they're like, "What's what's going on with you?" And then Cliff asks Vic, he's like, "Is it just me, or are you extra shiny today?" And he's like trying to touch him, and he's like, "You know, I was skeptical about the pills." And you know, Jane's like, "What pills?" And, and Vic's like, "How many did you take?" And he's like, "You don't want to know." And Vic's like, those are dopamine simulators. And then Cliff like tries to boop him on the nose. He's like, don't touch me or whatever. Then Cliff yells out to Larry, who's driving. He's like, hey, you got a huge neck, Zick. So he like goes up. He's like, he's going to, Jane's like, pop it, pop it, pop. And then Larry's like trying to stop him driving all over. They kind of go off the road a little bit. But luckily, they don't hit any trees. They get out. And it's like super foggy there. And Vic's, uh, he's like, oh, grid loss, grid signal just got lost or whatever. So he's like, this must be the the sisterhood. And then Cliff just runs off, and Vic's like trying to, he goes after him. Then Jane tells Larry, she's like, you know, someone should say with the bus. And she's basically saying that he's useless without the negative spirit. He's Because he's like, I'm not just you. He's like, well, maybe you're right. Maybe someone should say here. So Rita is like, Rita and Rouge are like drinking and talking. You know, she talks about her mother and stuff like that. Rouge mentions the letter that Niles wrote some years ago. So she hands it to Rita, lets her read it. And like all the negative, you know, bad stuff that she's saying, and she doesn't even read the whole thing. She just puts, she's like, "Oh, pish posh." She's like, "Who knows what drove that evil or, or despicable man to write those words or something like that?" And then Rouge admits that she's like, "I don't know what the Dada will have in store for the others." They're drinking some more, uh, and then Rita shows her the, and she, or because then Rouge is like, "Plus, is like, even if we did know, it's like I have no way to get out of here. I'm stuck here." And then she's like, oh, "It's about that." So then Rita goes to like this box on a mantle and. And uh, pulls out the the little device, the, the piece that she broke off. And so, and it, but then the scene changes. So it's like, oh, is she going to be pissed that she, you know, broke the time machine, whatever? Cliff is still giggling, you know, going through the woods. And then this, like, bike comes by and it's, it's covered by, like, this talking clear glob of slime or whatever. And he's like, what? Then he sees, like, this ice cream truck and, like, the, the ice cream lady what, is just, like, sleeping behind the wheel. And then he goes to the back. He kind of rips open the door, and there's like this big vortex, and this like this lady kind of like like kind of comes forward. Jane is like out looking for Cliff. Then she hears Hammerhead calling her name, and then through the mist, she finds this candy store, and she goes inside, and then, and she also hears Pretty Polly, and it's like someone else is yelling. And then uh, a lady inside asks her to close the door, so that, you know she's like they can't harm you here, or whatever. So they're actually in this lady's head. She said that she separated Jane from the others along with Kay. You know, Kay's sitting at a table eating a bunch of, like, sweet stuff. So she introduces herself. She's Shelly Byron, also known as The Fog. And Jane's like, oh, you must be with the Sisterhood. And Jane says, she's like, I want to join the Sisterhood. You know, they're, they're talking and stuff like that. When And then Jane's like, no, I was like, I'm serious. And then The Fog's like, all right, answer me this. Who are you, Jane? Vic is looking for Cliff in the woods in The Fog, and there's a... Uh, some guy with like a bike on his back or something like that. He's got a couple wheels and he's like sculpting something. And Vic's, he's like, hey, I'm here to join. Is this the place? Cliff, meanwhile, is like in this big kind of empty space. Then he sees the woman She's that kind of was in a vortex thing or whatever. She's like in this glass case. And she starts speaking like Japanese. 
Jane continues talking, and she's like, fine. She's like, I'm the person who's going to rip your eyes out if you touch one hair in that little girl's head. And the fog's like, oh, that's amazing. And she's like, that doesn't really answer the question. And she's like, how about you go first? Who the F are you? And what the F are you doing? Or, or what the F are you in the sisterhood planning? So then the fog says, it's like, oh, you know, you're here for the eternal flag, flagellation. And Jane's like, yeah, sure. What is that? And she's like, well, the eternal flagellation is a vulture cleaning the carcass of an overfed sow. And she says all this stuff, whatever. Jane's like, that sounds like pretenses pretentious i can't talk anymore maybe i'm trying to go too fat jane says that sounds like pretentious bs and the fog's like well maybe that's what I, maybe i am pretentious or whatever and then she asks jane again so who are you and then jane's like okay bye-bye and the fog's like you're limiting yourself you and the girl you'll you're never truly free until you know yourself and jane says that she's like oh i know who i am and the fog's like well the girl does but you don't and jane asks She's like, okay, who do you think I am? And she's like, I think you're scared. And I think you're prone to leaning back on old habits. I think you're denying your desires. You think denying your desire makes you who you are, makes you strong. You are the sort of person who could be staring at opportunity straight in the face and resent the promise of it. She's like, what you believe isn't true. So then the, the sculptor dude, you know, he just like, he's like, why are you? Or something like that. And Vic's like, why am I? Why am I what? He's like, I'm a cyborg. He's like, I am because the world needs justice and order. I am because I want to serve and protect. And the dude's like, that sounds rehearsed and cliche for a half man, half tin can. And Vic's like, what are you supposed to be? Half man, half bicycle? And he turns around. He's like, I assure you, cyborg, I'm at least three-fifths man. He's like, but what? Or why I am should be of no importance to you, the great cyborg. And he tells him, he's like, once you sit here at this picnic table, he's like, and maybe I'll tell you of the eternal flagellation. So then uh, the lady in the, the glass case, she's, she's talks, and Cliff can't understand her because you know, she's you know, speaking Japanese. And then she waves a finger over the glass, and the words like, what are you or something like that appear. And he starts answering, and suddenly he's he's able to speak Japanese. And he's like, oh, how can I speak Japanese or whatever? And he's like, well, I'm a robot, but maybe, you know, I'm, I'm a little high. And, she, you know, she said, he says some other stuff. And she wipes the words away, and then he's back to speaking English. And he says that, well, he's like, maybe I'm not fully a robot. He's like, but I have a robot brain. And he knocks on his head. He said he was made to last forever, but it turns out that's not the case. He's actually scared of death, even though he's died two times over. You know, he's thinking of Rory's grandson. And, you know, he, how he just wants to be with him. He's like, you know, if I could cry, I'd, I'd cry a lot. He says that, or she says that she knows what it's like to fear your death. And she breathes on the, the glass and draws a symbol, whatever. And then she kind of waves, like, her hand over, like, behind it. And then this, like, flower kind of, like, flies off the glass. He's like, oh. And she says that, you know, she knows that she'll, when she's she dies, she'll just be empty and useless or something like that. And then, then he's like, oh, this is, looks like a, a hug moment. So he goes up to her, and she kind of cringes back. He's, like, reaching for the glass and, like, starting to squeeze the glass case, which it's not a really good thing. Larry's on a bus. He wonders, like, what the bump on him is. And, and then uh, um, the, a soldier, like, walks by. And it's what he's like, and he's kind of, like, muttering something. And then this other soldier walks by, just, like, like mumbling, just saying, like, you know, random words. And then, uh, then this, this dude comes by in a suit, and it's his son, Paul. And, you know, so his son is like old and he like runs after him. He's like, Paul, Paul, what are you doing here? And he goes into the woods after him. Rita and Rouge are dancing around to Boogie Woogie Boy and Company C or whatever. They managed to fix the pod. 
So then uh, they're like, well, you know, where do we set it to? And Rouge says the letter was dated 1949, but the film was 1917. Back at the candy shop, the um, Fog gives Kay more sweets. And she gives Jane like this ice cream float. She just pushes it aside. And she's like, what's with the treats? And Fog says, you know, she doesn't remember why she built this place. She's like, I was their dragon. She's like, they dropped me in a city and I'd eat them all up and they'd all go in my mind. But it got crowded. So I needed a, a quiet place. And she's like, you know, sometimes you have to burn the world down and start anew. And Jane says, something like, you know, building something from your pain. And the fog's like, you know, maybe we're more alike than you realize. Then there's like a loud knock and it's hammerhead outside the, the, the sweet store, like pounding on the glass. Larry manages to catch up to Paul. He's like, what are you doing here? And then he raises a gun at him. He's like, no, no, no. He like squeezes the trigger, but it's empty. And then he just drops the gun. And then the gun, somehow like this lobster crawls out of the gun. And then Paul just is like, bang, bang, bagels, pink and blue. It's just like, what the heck? Vic talks to Sculptry and he asks him again, he's like, why are you? And he's like, you know, he says he didn't really answer. And Vic is like getting testy and everything like that. And the sculptor starts answering why he is, you know, he, all this stuff that happened you know, with his parents, whatever. He bled and he suffered, found joy. And he's like, how can you know joy or discrimination without knowing who you are? And Vic, he starts getting mad. He's like, it's like, it's like, F this BS. He's like, you don't get to tell me who I am. He's like, the only reason you're free is because of me. And the dude's like, the language of the oppressor. And he's like, I sat in a cage for nearly a century, and I found the world was the same when I emerged. He's like, this is why the eternal flagellation is so important. Hammerhead's still pounding on a glass, and Jane's like, you know, they're just afraid for the girl. And the fog says, for the girl or of the girl? And the fog's like, you're denying yourself again. The glass case is starting to crack. The lady puts on, like, on this mask and she like backs away. And he's like, you know, I should be with Rory not going on adventures just because of Lord DeVille. Then the lady's like, what did you just say? Hammerhead smashes the window to store. The sculptor says, Lord DeMille, she sent you. And then the ice cream driver lady, she like sits up and she's like, Laura effing DeVille. And she puts her headphones on while her eyes are so closed. Turns on her Walkman, and then Copacabana by Barry Manilow starts playing, and Vic can hear it somehow. And then the sculptor's like, "You can't stop this." He's like, and then the wheels on his back start spinning, and it starts getting like windy. He's like, "Why are you cyborg? Because you were born with black skin, or because they made you with their metal disguise?" And then the ice cream lady walks up the cliff. She punches you know in an empty room. She punches him. And he goes flying through the glass case, and the lady inside just kind of just like shoved aside. Hammerhead walks into the sweet store and grabs Kay's arm. And she's like, there you are, little monkey. Kay screams. She's like, no, I don't want to. And then Jane tells her that they should go. But Kay, like, pushes her. Then the fog goes up to Jane. And she's like, I'll see you on the other side. And she hugs her. And she's like, and give Lord DeMille my best. Her eye, like, fogs up. And then, then she turns to fog, like, in her arms. And then Jane wakes up on the bus. Cliff and Vic are there, too. Cliff's like, WTF, WTF. And Larry's like holding his his son, like in his kind of like on you know holding his head, and he's like he's like oh you'll be okay you'll be okay. So at the house, Rita sees that they're back. Um, Jane just like walks past, like bumps into her, and she's like rude. Rita tells Larry she's like I have news, and then she's like wait is that Paul? And he's like babbling the king crow pies. And they say that they just got their asses beat. And Rita's like, well, we'll just have to go back and give the sisterhood the what for. And Cliff's like, nope. He's like, F them. And Vic's like, yeah, sorry, I'm with Cliff. And she's like, 
I spent all day fixing a time machine. And Vic says, like, you don't understand. He's like, F the time machine, F the sisterhood, F Laura DeMille. And he like storms off to his room. And in his room, then he finds like a, the, a, the mask the sculptor made is like in his jacket pocket somehow. And he looks at it and the inside it says approximate man. And then he's like, Rah! and he just throws it against the wall and it shatters. Cliff takes a rest of the pills, puts them in the funnel thing. And he types a message on Rory's picture online. Grandpa is getting better, BRB. And then the pop-up comes up again and he like looks around. There's no one there, so he clicks it. Jane tries uh, going to her room, and then the therapist, Hammerhead, and I don't know if it's Pretty Polly, they're there. They're like, oh, we're just keeping an eye on the girl. And she's like, okay. And then she goes to the door, but then they move. They're like, you can't go inside. She's like, you know, maybe give her some space. And Jane's like, what happened to we're all in this together? She's like, she's, like, she's just throwing a tantrum. That's what kids do. It's like, she wants something new. It's like, I'll get her some shoes or something like that. The therapist's like, we can handle the girl. And Jane is like, you, I don't know what to do with. And then Jane wakes up with a gasp and she's like in a room and she finds a, a piece of candy in her pocket. There's like covered with lint. She's like pops it in her mouth. So Larry's tending to Paul and then he sees he has a pin on his, his lapel. I think it was a, supposed to be the Bureau of Normalcy pin. I don't think it was Sisterhood of Dada. So it's probably the Department or Bureau of Normalcy. Um, Larry's like, I'm going to get you back, you know, or, or get you like well again. And, you know, nothing is going to get between us. But then the, the bump on his neck starts pulsing. Rita's drinking some more. There's a lot of drinking going on. Uh, she mentions, you know, being a world-renowned time traveler. And Laura is like slouch on the couch next to her. And she's like mumbling everything like that. She's like, I've known, she's drunk too. She's like, I've known you, you know, less than 40 hours. And I know that's not who you are. So, no, no, no. She's like, that's never going to be who you are. And Rita, she's just sitting there and she sees like the key thing on the shelf. So she grabs it, goes down in the basement, puts a, like a note in her pocket, whatever, finishes her drink, throws a glass on the floor. She's like, I guess this is it. Goes into the pods, starts fiddling with the switches, whatever, hits a button. This thing starts whirring, whatever. So she's going to time travel. Which, if you think about it, if the movie was made in 1917 and she's there, so she's probably going to go back in time and, and you know join up with the sisterhood somehow. It just has to be in that movie, you know, just off to the side, and you know who knows what's going to happen. But my thing would be like, man, if I'm in this time machine, how do I know that I'm going to be able to get back to the right time, you know, to the right time and place? Because you know these controls, they look so primitive, but. So yeah, this this show is so weird, so bizarre. It's it's. I feel it's so underrated. I, I hope people are watching it. You should be watching it. If you're not, I guess you just don't like cool things. I don't know. Okay, and now is the movie feature. It is no time to die. It's time for no time to die. And I, I, every time I, I think of this this title, I kind of chuckle at how ignorant I was. Because so this movie was supposed to come out earlier. Wait, wasn't supposed to come out twenty twenty? right and i remember like it was like february march it was like early march or whatever they that's when they pushed the movie back they're like okay we're not going to release the movie and this was like the early days like pre you know covid you know was happening covid19 was was going on you know people were getting sick it we weren't in quarantine yet so this is before the quarantine and i was like oh people are dying you know from whatever this thing is and i was like so they're pushing the movie back just because it's called No Time to Die. Is like, are they, you know, trying to be like sensitive to people who might be losing family members or whatever? Little did I know, 
how serious this would be. So I thought that's why that they, they, they pushed the movie back because they thought the title would be insensitive. No, they pushed the movie back because they figured everything was going to be shutting down and you know, there'd be no one that could see it because there'd be no theaters. So it's, it's just, it's so crazy just how much has changed since then. And, you know, I, I feel things are, are getting better, but it's still, it's still not safe. So you still have to be careful and you really need to pay attention like where you're at. Anyways, I'm not going to get on, on this. Um, luckily where I'm at, the numbers aren't that bad. So I'm in a good little pocket, whatever. So just be careful. With this movie, you know, I'm I'm still, I'm really not sure how I feel about this movie. And after I watched it and after I thought about it, I, I kind of was like looking around, uh, not, not too deeply. I didn't really, I didn't read any reviews. I just saw what Dennis Calero had to say about it on his Facebook post. But I kind of glanced at the IMDb, the user reviews, which, you know, you can't always trust those because a lot of times they're just like so like harsh a lot of people are just not happy. A lot of low reviews, and they're like, you know, this is made by people who, who don't understand James Bond and all this stuff like that. But, you know, Dennis Calero, who I would give him some credit for knowing a thing or two about James Bond. You know, he did work on, I, I think it was a Casino Royale comic. He did the adaptation, and it, that was really cool. But I don't know how I feel about this, and it, it's just really weird. You know, so this is the last Daniel Craig movie, and it's weird to think that it's been 16 years that's how long he's been James Bond. And, you know, like when Casino Royale came out, I mean, that was just something. And I remember thinking how it's like, wow, this this almost doesn't really feel like a regular James Bond movie because throughout, I think most of it, they, they never really heavily relied on the gadgets. And that was one of the things that I always liked as a kid. I was like, oh, this is so cool, all these different things and everything. You know, we, we do get little bits here and there, but it's never been a, a big, big thing of it from what I recall. Now, one of my problems with these movies is I feel like I should have watched some of them or all of them again to really appreciate uh, what's going on. The interesting thing with these movies is there's always been like some little connection. You know, even this movie, you know, there's been mention of Vesper, you know, this, the, the connection that Bond had with her and, you know, that she's dead and everything. So there's always been like this sort of continuity going on, like little, little bits kind of carrying over, even though each movie is kind of on its own. I, I almost feel like each movie should stand alone just because of that. Like what exactly happened in the last movie? I could not tell you. I can't tell you like what that final scene was in, in a previous movie. If I would have had more time in my hands and if I could, you know, wasn't just so overwhelmed, I, I would have watched them all. And I, I really wish I, I did. And, you know, maybe at some point I will go back and watch all the movies. And, then you know, by at that point, maybe this will be available, you know, digitally or something. So it's a good movie, and it's weird because I think the movie is like two hours and 43 minutes. So it's a long movie. Uh, it, it did feel long, but it didn't drag, if that makes sense. You know, it wasn't like, oh. But at some points, I'm just like, I'm just like watching, and, and it's just like, wow, this has been going for a while. And it's like weird. Like one of the other things I totally, I, how did I not know this? But Jeffrey Wright, he's, this is his third time as Felix Felix, what's his name, the, the CIA agent. I totally didn't realize or I don't remember him being in the other movies, even though I feel like Jeffrey Wright's like everywhere now. You know, he, he's an awesome actor and, you know, he's going to be in the Batman. He was in Westworld. He was in uh, What If. Did I mention that? No. So it's like, how did I not even remember that? And then, you know, Rami Malek, I, 
saw some people are like, I say again, I'm seeing both things. Some comments are like, like, oh, he was just like a generic villain. But Dennis Calero said that, you know, he's like one of the best villains that, you know, that we've had. I don't know. I mean, looking at at his his motive and stuff like that, I'm like, really, whatever. Um, I, I think uh, Rami Malek is is a he's he's a good actor. You know, I I still want to watch Mr. Robot, which again, who knows when I'll, I'll get around to that. But the the villain's motive, I mean, he, I just I wasn't overly impressed with with what he's trying to do. So one of the hook, what what's going on here is M had secretly made this like weapon kind of like crazy illegal illegal but it's a weapon like with nanotech nanobots that can target a person by their dna so then you could release this gas in like a crowded room and it's only going to kill your target because it won't won't have any effect on, on the other people so this is kind of a crazy thing and you know this is why you, you can't do this because it's just it, it, it this is a game changer or whatever the problem is it gets stolen uh, of course and and that's you know part of the, the hook so where we're at you know we we do see like a flashback of this one character and, and you know some stuff that that plays into later in the movie but we see bond with um with with this the woman i'm assuming i think she was in the last movie and he's like retired you know he he's kind of done being james bond and something happens, and then he starts to question her loyalty type of thing. So then he goes off. He gets contacted by Felix, uh, you know, by the CAA. They want him, to, you know, they want his help and everything like that. So then he, you know, he kind of doesn't really want to, but then he kind of gets pulled into this at the same time, which I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's this, this woman who is a new 007. You know, because they they figured he wasn't coming back. I think they weren't even sure if he was alive, and so she took his designation. And you know, he gets involved, and you know, stuff happens, and then he you know he go, goes back, meets with M, and stuff like that. He ends up getting reinstated at at one point just because of you know everything that goes down and what you know what he can accomplish. But what's what's interesting, what they never spoil or what they never say, is like okay, he's reinstated as a double O, but double O what? Because 007 is already taken. And that's something she's asking. She's like, what, what designation did, did you give him? What, what, do you, what do you have? But they never say. At one point, she's like, she asked permission for, for James to get 007 again. But then where does that leave her? Now, here's the other question. Because, you know, when we're talking about who's going to be the next, next uh, 007, you know, everyone's like, Idris Elba. It should be Idris Elba. It's like... Idris Elba's awesome. Idris Elba shouldn't do anything. Weren't people saying Idris Elba should be Doctor Who? I feel like I feel like that would have been, you know, a comment. It's like everyone's like, okay, we want a black actor. There's more than one black Idris Elba isn't the only black actor. You know, he's he's great. He's awesome. There are other people. I not the not the same thing about my age, but you know, Idris Elba isn't getting any younger. One of the reasons Daniel Craig is, you know, the the, the movies are very taxing. And you know he that's what he doesn't want to do anymore. He got injured before, so I don't know how Idris Elba would feel about ju- trying to jump into a friend. You know how many movies would he be able to do or want to do? So it's like no, it should be someone else. But if you want to get edgy and do the whole whatever diversity this or that, this woman, you know, you could have 
a female black 007. And that would blow people's minds. You know, she establishes herself. You know, she does some, some cool stuff. She could carry her, you know, the, the franchise forward. The problem is she's not James Bond. You know, because I'm sure some people were like, why not change it to Jane Bond? You know, like like they did with, is that what they did with uh, Salt, with Angelina Jolie, where they made the character female instead of male? I, I, I never saw that movie. I've been wanting to. So I don't know what they're going to do. Because, uh... Yeah, I think at the end, I didn't say for the credits because there was supposedly no end credit scene, but I think at the very end it says James Bond will return. So, really? Okay. So, who, you know, what, what are they going to do? And are they just going to reboot everything? How are they going to continue? What, what's going to happen? So we'll have to wait and see what they what they do. And I, I'm not going to really dwell on, on, on that part. But with this movie, in some ways it, it kind of didn't really feel like a James Bond movie. And... You know, again, there's less reliance on all the the gadget stuff. There, you know, some other things like with the threat and stuff. There, there's kind of like a more modernization. You know, it, it which I think you kind of need to because you know so many of these movies have been about the spy espionage, and it almost feels like that's like an older time that you know those days are are gone, and you know, so they're they're trying to mix things up. The other thing I do want to mention, I know I'm just really jumping all over the place, but. Uh, we get uh, Anna de Armas. Is that that her name? She was in uh, Knives Out with uh, Daniel Craig, and I, I think he kind of requested or pushed or whatever to get her in this movie. She plays this uh, Cuban agent named Paloma. So when Bond goes there, you know she's supposed to be his contact, and she's kind of like not really bubbly or whatever. You know she's like really excited, and you know she says something that you know she's been out of. She just completed her training like three weeks ago or something like that. So it's like, oh, great. So, you know, you got this, this this pretty girl. She's totally green. And, you know, you're going, it's like, hopefully this is going to be a dangerous situation. But I will say, spoiler, and I don't know if it's in any preview or anything like that, she kicks a major butt. I mean, it was like super cool. You know, there's, you know, she's wearing this like, like, you know, really nice gown and everything like that. And she's, you know, just the hand to hand, the gun, the combat, like all that stuff. It's like, she just, just nailed it. And the bummer, spoiler, is she's like, has such a small role in a movie. It's like, it would have been nice to see more of her. Not that, I, you know, I, I'm glad that she and Bond didn't hook up because that would be silly because, you know, he's emotionally attached to that, that other woman. But that that's cool. I, I like when you can have a male and female that, that they don't have to suddenly fall in love with each other because, you know, real life, that doesn't happen. You don't always fall in love with just because you're working with, with a, someone of the other gender. Um, so... I, I wish there'd been more of her. And there was this like this other actor who like had a small. Role. I was like, really? That's it? Uh, it, was, it was a. Well, I, I don't want to spoil that. So overall, I mean, it was fine. It's it's a good ending for Daniel Craig's run. You know, it, it it's a good bookend. You know, it, it establishes it closes off the story. You know, he did all this stuff. Um, I just don't know how I feel about that. So I, I don't know if I should spoil the, these two things. I think that's pretty much all I have to say. So, um, why don't I give myself or give you like two minutes, two minutes of spoilers? So you could either you could I hate to say you you, know, you could probably stop here. Look at the time codes. You know you'll see when this segment's over. I'm not going to say anything more about the movie. You know it is good. You, you should watch it. You know if you watch the other ones, you you definitely need to see this for the closure and the conclusion. And Daniel Craig is is just really good and everything like that. But 
spoiler time. Okay, so about, I'm, I'm assuming maybe two minutes. I'm going to give myself two minutes and then jump into the outro. Okay, first thing, first uh, big crazy bold thing that they do. Hopefully you're, you're avoiding spoilers. You don't want to hear this. Bond ends up having a kid. So this woman who he hasn't seen in like five years, she has a daughter. That's kind of crazy right there. It's like James Bond having a kid, that's changing everything about him. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you're evolving James and you know now he needs to think about, you know, he was thinking about retiring and everything like that. So that that could be a big thing. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe we'll do we'll do that. But it's just it's weird to think the idea. Cause when when they first show her, she's like, she's not yours. But you know, he's like her eyes and everything. And it, you know, you do find out that it is his kid. So that's that's really nuts. The second thing, this is a huge spoiler. So because of stuff that happens, I mean, there's some some other bad things that that really kind of ruin things for for James and any potential of retiring and you know, shouldn't he get a happily ever after? Doesn't he deserve it after everything he's he's done? The question is, or the answer is no, he is not going to get a happily ever after. He's, you know, trying to save the world, this this weapon that could target anyone by their DNA. You know, it's this huge, crazy, this is this is nuts. This has to be destroyed. The only way it can be destroyed is he ends up having to sacrifice himself. He, he blows up. The whole island blows up where all his stuff is. He is gone. At first, I was like, okay, he's going to get out of this. How is he going to come out? Is he ducking into some... And doing when they, they, the missiles are coming, he's just standing there out in the open, and then the missiles come, flames just engulf him. So there is no way he could have jumped and hid by something. Gone. They they did that. They 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 wiped him out. There's a scene after it, but it's like that's crazy bold, and you shouldn't show. I think you shouldn't show either of those. Each one should be on its own. And I'm I'm out of time. That was my my two minutes. So. Bold, bold moves there, but like the the second thing, I kind of, I don't feel like that's something that we should see. Uh, you know, even I, I don't think we should ever get to that point. Just in in the, I don't care if if you if you tell a hundred James Bond stories, a hundred James Bond movie, I don't feel we should ever see that unless you're saying, okay, that's it. And then now, what? Yeah, what's next? So. That that's the movie. Uh, I I guess I'm not going to say anything more about it. But like I said, it is it, so I, I did enjoy it. It is good. Uh, I'm just a little like scratching my head. It's like hmm, you know that that's kind of kind of interesting. Some, some interesting decision. But it is good. You know, again, why just do the same thing over and over again? You know, why not mix it up a little bit? So that's fine. But yeah, I, and and maybe you know for me it would have been better to watch the other ones. And then watch this one because I, I do I have liked these movies and and yeah maybe they weren't all great you know maybe one or two might have dragged a little bit but I'm really curious to watch them again and I will at some point so that is going to be it so thank you for listening big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken for being awesome supporters they are huge supporters you can be a supporter by going to Patreon.com/slash/GManForMech any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I've recently talked about some movies. I talked about 1984's Dune, talked about 2013's Evil Dead. And I'm going to go back and talk about look a look back at a comic series. I think I'm going to do a Batman one. Batman seems to be like the go-to 
so the question is, what Batman story should I look at? So I have one that I'm going to start, and I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. So we'll see, and you'll find out what that is uh, in, in a couple days. You, you can see that. As far as next week, next week is going to be Halloween Kills. So I'm excited to see that. You will be able to watch that um, on uh, streaming through Peacock. I, I, I'm assuming, I would assume you'd have to do like the Peacock Premium. I don't know if if you have to pay. I don't know if you can watch it like in the free Peacock, pre, free Peacock with ads. I mean, don't do that, man. I can't imagine watching a movie with ads. And I know that's how it is like when you watch on TV or whatever. But it's like that shouldn't be. Um, it, it's it's weird. I I don't know why they're they're doing this, and it, it's it seems weird that they would offer it on streaming. Like, what's the deal? How does it work? You know, it seems like the, if you're going to do this, there should be like some extra surcharge. You know how like Disney Plus, the Premier Access. You know, there should be more money available to it. Or if you want to make it available, then do like how you know some of the other movies, like where you can rent a movie for twenty bucks. You know, just like anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if it's Universal or whoever owns NBC or, you know, they're, they're trying to push for people to subscribe and then that's how they're going to compensate for the money. But I, I'm I'm seeing it in the theater. You know, I, I I love the Halloween movies. I, you know, really enjoyed the last one. So I, I, I don't want to watch this. I can't fathom the idea of watching it on TV. And I know some people have no choice. And, you know, so it's, it's a good opportunity that you'll be able to watch it at home should you, you know, have Peacock or whatever. And there's no theaters that are open around you. Or if you happen to be, like, suffering from diarrhea or anything like that and you, you, you can't go out in public. <laughs> Just what you can do, bring your, like, bring your tablet in the bathroom and watch it from there. Set up your own theater. I don't know. But I'm going to see in a theater, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, as far as other shows coming up or whatever, so What If is done. Legends of Tomorrow will be starting up. And then uh, the other things are, are still going, you know, Stargirl and Titans and why we have all that. I feel like something else is coming. I always feel like there's something and I don't remember it. And then after I stop recording, I'll be like, oh, yeah, there is this. I should have mentioned that. But and it's a nice surprise if you when you come back next week. So with that, I'm starting to lose my voice. <clears throat> So thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're being careful. You know, we just got to hang in there. Just let's all continue to get through all this. So have a good time. Take some time for yourself to enjoy life. But remember, be good to each other. <laughs> <laughs>